does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, so let's get it going on this Wednesday. Kevin Bone, I'm looking at you right now, and it's a winning Wednesday around here. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? It's a winning Wednesday on the wake-up call on the fan. Why is that? Indiana won last night. The Pacers won last night. And as I hit on on my mic, I thought, it's supposed to be a winning Wednesday. And I've been sitting in this studio. Me and Mark Dighton have been talking for 15 minutes. And I realize at 7 o'clock that I don't have my headphones, which I need to go get. Regardless, welcome in on this Wednesday on the Fan KB. A good morning to you. Mark Dighton's back. Good to have you back, Mark. Uh, Lots to talk about this morning, fellas. Lots to talk about. probably the first time. And now, what have we been doing this? A little over six months. Uh, Probably the first time I've ever thought, damn, I'm working with Jake Query again. That is a Jake thing. That and blaming technology Usually on his internet, issues. right, Mark? Internet or printer. I've locked out be, a computer. Yeah, it seemed to I be did. the two biggest issues for Jake. I don't know. Maybe you weren't all that Indiana came back and won. That's it. And by the way, these headphones don't work. So I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go get well, luckily, mine. You guys can carry this for 30 mm, seconds while I sprint down the hall, down past IBC. I'll be right back. Uh, an 18 <laughs> point comeback for the Hoosiers last night in Columbus. Uh, I guess I don't know if the Mellencamp line is exactly it, but certainly a night for the Indiana boys. Uh, what a performance by Trey Galloway in the second half and Anthony Leal. Uh, just a feel good story. Again, it's a season that will largely be one to forget, but Anthony Leal. Uh, steps up when you need it the most. His only shot of the night, and it is the eventual game winner as Indiana comes back to beat Ohio State in Columbus. And then the Pacers. It was certainly, I think, at halftime and maybe even early in the third quarter, one of those moments where is this a loss to you know a Rockets team without their starting point guard that could you know rock the boat a little bit in the trade deadline? Uh, but then all of a sudden, a huge comeback and... Uh, Mark, are we we on audio issues for me? I don't think so. Uh, the YouTube All chat right. is abundantly saying yeah, I'm so, muted. So I'm so I'm uh, back. Yes, you're Sc- there. Scotty, w- Scotty was yelling at me. You can't hear Kevin. <laughs> We're off to a glowing <laughs> start here. On it this. was supposed to be a winning Wednesday. Mark, program won it because I remember yesterday we going. were program twoing it. You're- Should I try a different mic? No, you're good. Go ahead. Now, I hear you now. When I had the uh, you got busted headphones, you didn't sound well. I have you now. I mean, I hear you in the headset. That was the best start to the show I've Boy, ever had in my life. Yeah. I mean, what are we going to do? We can't We can't bag on an NBA recap, or an NFL team. Andy Sweeney was doing his best Jake Quarry impression yeah. there. I've got no adapter here, so I can't um, hear anything either. And I, I made some John Mellencamp, Indiana Boys reference to Trey Galloway and Anthony Leal. I don't think it really hit, so I'm glad that no one heard it. Uh, and the Pacers, I would say midway through the third quarter last night, Andy Sweeney, it looked Jeez. like, oh boy, uh, is this a loss to a team without its starting point guard that could rock the boat a little bit heading to the trade deadline? And fittingly, outside of TJ McConnell, I thought the other guy that really spurred the comeback is probably the one we've talked about the most trade-related here over the last few days. That would be Buddy Heald, and uh, I think a post-game you heard quite the defense from Tyrese Halliburton of his buddy, Buddy Heald, uh, pun I guess intended there. Uh, so we'll chat about a lot of that as we try to act like a normal functioning radio I think we're here. good to go. I think we're good to go. I'm excited about today's What'd show. What you press, Mark? I don't know. I didn't have an adapter either. This, this is always funny when we come into these studios and like, 
Overnight, I don't know what happens, but everything disappears or technology This moves. is what happens when IU basketball wins. It's this right here. But uh, <laughs> Tony, Tony, the rails. Yeah, they do. Tony Adrania will join us coming up at 8 o'clock. And then George Odom going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Former Indianapolis Colt. Current San Francisco 49er uh, as he gets ready for the Super Bowl, obviously there in Las Vegas. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll do all that. And then, I don't know. I mean, for me, I think and By the way, George Odom, always an ounce or two of crazy. Oh, yeah. In him, right? <laughs> no. We recorded there, that one, there might full be more, transparency. Yeah, there might be more than an ounce or two. On that. Uh, I loved our conversation always with George Odom. with George, and uh, he certainly has some opinions, <laughs> not only on his efforts coming up Sunday night at the Super Bowl, but... On his time here in Indianapolis, isn't he one of yeah? Isn't he one of those guys where it's like you know the special teams guy well, when they try to sell you that the special teams guy is a little bit crazy? That's all I could think of when we were talking to George Odom. I said it to him. I go, George, you got to be a little crazy, <laughs> not only to be a special teamer, but to be an All Pro. I mean, he's a two time All Pro special teamer, cracking heads. Uh, and, and I think he took that, you know, certainly uh, with a badge of honor. Yeah. Oh when yeah. I, when I said that, I, to him. I, I think he did uh, last night. So we have a lot that we can get to. Obviously, Indiana won last. Last night, uh, we'll not ignore Woody and company coming back from 18 down. Woodson did say something uh, that I did not like post game, so we can dive into that as we go today. Uh, how do they come back and everything else? We are one day closer. Like KB said, coming up in the 7:30 segment, we'll talk about this because we're one day closer to the trade deadline and. I kind of feel like I have a little bit of clarity on what I think. The, if you know if the Pacers do something, if they don't do something, if they do something, but it's a little something, uh, I have a thought on all of that. So we can dive into that. And then you're exactly right. I thought after the game, Tyrese Halliburton uh, put on for his best buddy on the team. Pardon the pun again, uh, Buddy Heald. Uh, you know on what he. And to be fair to Buddy, mean, Buddy did that with his actions on the court, and we sure haven't said that about him well, over the last it, couple it, of weeks. It feels like that's the case. So uh, the Buddy Heald conversation, perhaps a little bit of Obi Toppin, we can dive into that, and then just the Pacers as a whole. You know what? You know what I thought last night is. You know, while you're watching that game, it's like 11-5 in the first couple minutes, and Carlisle's having to call the timeout and everything else. He came on here in press conferences as well, but he came on here yesterday, KB, and the first thing, he said it a couple times, he goes, you know, when we're at practice now, everything we're doing is about defense. And it just and that made me smile, given that I wonder what's going on in Rick Carlisle's mind when he and the coaching staff have dedicated all this time and effort to the defensive side uh, of the game. And the Rockets come out and in that first half into the third quarter, basically got whatever they wanted. They hit four jump shots to start the game. You mentioned Carlisle taking that timeout after the 11-5 start. I don't think any of the jump shots occurred after more than one pass. It was like a shooting drill for the Rockets to start the game, and I can't tell you how many times Chris or Quinn said throughout the first half, again, even into the third quarter, because Houston stretched that lead. I think they got it to 10 at one point. I want to say 85-75 is what I remember seeing. Chris and Quinn just like, man, Pacers have got to find a way to get a stop. I'm like, God, if I had a dime, or if, I, if I did a drinking game <laughs> to that phrase. You'd have been hammered. Yeah, I, yeah I'd be hung over St. Patrick's yeah, Day. I'd be hung over till St. Patrick's Day, to be <laughs> frank with you. I, and then finally, and again, 
very fittingly, when I say that phrase, Pacers have got to find a way to get a defensive stop, I don't say Aaron Neesmith exit, Buddy Heald come into the right, game. Yeah. That's not something that's you typically the ma- that's say. That's the magic formula. But all of a sudden, things started to turn when Buddy did come off the bench, and of course, TJ McConnell. And I did find it a bit fitting that that McConnell effort, which it was more of the scoring TJ McConnell, not necessarily the, yes, he had one of his normal steals in the backcourt. It's amazing to me. He still is able to record one of those seemingly every game. It wasn't as much of the distributor and the facilitator. It was like, no, 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 I'm attacking Aaron Holiday as a scorer. And of course, Pacers fans, I think we'll, you know, rewind a bit to a handful of years ago when TJ McConnell was brought here to kind of mentor, or at least that was the thought, Aaron Holiday. And very quickly it turned into, uh, oh, no, the mentor is better than the mentee and deserves playing time. So I thought there was a little bit of uh, maybe not a lot of outward emotion between those two, but I think that one meant a little bit more to each of them last night. So very important comeback. Pacers make enough plays down the stretch. Tyrese Halliburton's minutes restriction I think now moves to the back burner for the time being, which is something Rick Carlisle I think hinted at us. Uh, yesterday when he joined us, uh, but Halliburton made that play. A little floater, eh, maybe a 50-50 call, could have been charged, could have been a block. Kill going... mode, that's what they called it after the game. I like that, kill mode. Kill mode, that might be the something, ice on it. That might be something, what what would be the sports radio version of kill mode? We need to think about that. I think that. we did in the first five say, minutes of the probably show. Probably the first 90 seconds. <laughs> 7 to seven oh two. you want to leave that off the podcast? Not to hell with that. That might we'll be our Marconi award-winning <laughs> segment right there. Warriors play tonight, and then they are here for a back-to-back with all their Indiana flavor of Trace Jackson Davis. I forgot Will Sheehy is on their staff. And then uh, Steph Curry, of course, as we talked about yesterday, he has played pretty much in every back-to-back this season for Golden State, but they are in Philly tonight. Uh, so the Pacers will get a little bit of a back-to-back advantage after not having them last week. Did uh, did TJD ever make it on with JMV yesterday? Yes. Do we know? So he made it. I need to go back and listen to that then. So he made it on later latter parts of the show. I know they yeah, were kind of hit or miss on that yeah, as six they or seven went. Minutes. Okay. Typical Trace Jackson Davis, extremely <laughs> nice Was individual he, and you know, pretty candid about well, not only his rookie season but uh, certainly his good. time in Bloomington. And he had to like what he saw. In the second half, I, I was kind of in scramble mode trying to go back and forth. I finally kind of settled in and was able to really watch pretty much the last 10 minutes of Indiana. Um, and Galloway was outstanding. I, I, I know Leal obviously is going to hit the shot that everybody talks about, but Galloway just spearheading that comeback. And really, Mike Woodson settled on a lineup and didn't even touch it uh, hardly at all over the final 10 minutes. The lineup being, again, the Indiana boys in the backcourt of Galloway and Leal, and then what you would expect in the front court with McKenzie Mbako and Malik Renew and Khalil Ware. Um, Boy, and, Ware at the end of the game, man. Ooh. Did he think he was getting fouled? I, I, I have no idea what Khalil Ware, if he yeah. didn't see it, he went, in, he went in for a breakaway layup that was going to, quote, seal the game. I thought he was kind of in between, like, am I about to get fouled or can I dunk this? Yeah. And all of a sudden, just the left knee gave out. I mean, he took his final step, hell, like, seemingly just inside a half court there. Looked better walking off the yeah, floor it did. than it initially. I thought looked. Hummel made a great point on the broadcast well, hell, on Hummel's Peacock. Been there, well, sadly. we know we love we love Hummel. Well, he has with the injuries. He's like, you hope this is just one of those hyperextension that scares you a little bit. Have you ever had one of those before? You have a hyper hyperextended knee that scares you. I did that one time playing pickup basketball, and I'm like, this might be the retirement of Andy Sweeney playing pickup basketball. It was right before we were gonna go on a vacation too, and I'm like, if I just blew my knee 
out. To clear my wares wife... right before he's playing Zach Eady, and yours <laughs> right. is right before yeah, vacation. I was going to go to vacation. My, my wife is going to be pissed at me if I blew my knee out, if I tore an MCL, ACL three days before we go on a vacation and have to get on have to get on a plane uh, and everything else. Can I ask you something from that Indiana game? And I listen, Indiana comes back. I've been hard on Indiana, and Ohio State gets up what eighteen early on in the second half. And I wrote as a note, Ohio State's laughing. They're laughing at IU. I mean, at that point, it's an eighteen point game. Indiana comes all the way back. It's like an eight, you know, eight nine ten point game. And it looks like, hey, it's a little bit like the Butler game too. I know we want to get to that. It's like, are they going to be able to make enough shots to get over the hump? Butler gets it down to, you know, four, five, six points. Can you can you get over that hump and tie it or take the lead or really put even more game pressure on UConn? And it felt like for many minutes there in the second half, IU was not going to be able, uh, KB, to do that. And then they did that. And then, they you know, Galloway was fantastic. They come all the, ba- all the way back and they win the game. I want to give them their credit. Just what's happened to Ohio State basketball? What has happened to Ohio State basketball? I mean, Chris Holtman is not that good of a coach. I know they just gave him a contract extension last year. I mean, it's Ohio State. I mean, they, they used to have, I mean, you come on, you know this, Fallen College basketball, big-time players, NBA-level players. Holtman hasn't got out of the first round. They're 3-8 and eight right now in the Big Ten. He just got a raise late last year, or la, uh, in 2022. He just got a raise and a contract extension. That's what I was thinking of. If I'm an Ohio State fan, Indiana's having a historically terrible season. You get up 18, you watch Trey Galloway lead him back. Yuck. Chris Holtman's Yuck. old bunch, as Andy said, they hung in there uh, for the better part of 40 minutes, cut it to five with about two to go. UConn gets an offensive rebound, but every time really in the second half, yeah. Butler made it somewhat interesting of, you know, kind of the UConn faithfuls like, all right, come right. on, let's get it together. Somebody for the Huskies made a play there. Uh, again, does absolutely nothing to Butler's resume from a damaging standpoint, home to Providence. You want to talk about two That's teams a big game. It's hovering a big game. right around the bubble now yep. Saturday. Butler on the right side of it, Providence on the wrong side of it. If you look at most uh, prognostications heading into this weekend. Um, so a lot of hoop talk, of course, here on this Wednesday morning. And we should mention here uh, the update from Jim Irsay. Yesterday afternoon, uh, just after 2 o'clock, Jim Irsay tweeting out here, Really, for the first time in about a month, uh, the tweet um, saying uh, really just kind of a positive update after weeks of no news um, from the Colts owner here. I know Stephen Holder um, had in his story that he confirmed that it was Ursay sending that tweet. I know there's always been questions about exactly who was running and handling that account. Multiple people have access to it. But Jim Ursay yesterday at 2.01 in the afternoon on the mend, grateful for all the messages of love and support with a heart emoji. So certainly a positive update on the Colts owner and his health situation because we haven't gotten really any concrete news and really the only news we've gotten since what mid-December when we last saw him at that Steelers game has not been in the positive light. Rumors have been rampant on that and it's a question I get a lot Andy of okay where are we at with Ursay? you know what when's the next time maybe we could see him those sorts of things. Um, you know, the Super Bowl, you know, typically all owners attend the Super Bowl. But again, it's not a very kind of front facing uh, time for owners that are not in the game. Right. Well, that's safe um, for Taylor Swift. Right. Even in the <laughs> combine priorities week, 
you don't really see Ursay very front and center at all. That's here, more of a general manager thing, here in right? Yeah, they meet the media. Yeah, GM and head coach, you know, certainly very popular here. Uh, so I, unless something changes, you know, the next time we could hear and or see Ursay in a public setting outside of social, um, I think would be at the league's annual meetings, which come uh, March 24th down in Orlando. Um, that is a very, very popular owner front-facing event there. It's the biggest you know, league meeting event of the entire year. Uh, Jim Irsay typically meets the media at that event. So, again, it, it could just be kind of a social presence from him uh, for the next, you know, whatever, couple of weeks. But still, um, some good news on that end because, again, the rumors have been rampant. And... Unfortunately, and typically with this stuff, the rumors aren't in the most positive light. And when you have, unfortunately, the health history that Jim Irsay has had, and he's at the age that he is, and you know clearly what happened at his house on December 8th, and the Colts releasing severe respiratory illness, you add up all of it, it's not good. None of it is good. Uh, but this is probably the first sign of positive news on the Ursa front in quite some time. Well, you know, it's interesting just uh, in this respect. Yesterday, we had Bob Kravitz on, and we had the conversation with Bob Kravitz about this. At the you know, we talked everything. We talked hoops and pacers and Halliburton's minutes and everything else. And then, you know, at the end of the interview, I think you ask him, hey, you know, Jim Ursay, what have you heard? And it was, you know, from Bob, it was it was grim saying what you just said there, that ever all the rumors that you hear, there's not a positive thing coming from anything, right? The statements that have been made publicly, uh, what the Colts have put out there, the rumors you've added it all together KB and it's just been it's just been kind of bad grim sad stuff around Jim Ursay so you know I mean getting anything from him and that's a good job by Stephen Holder confirming that it was Ursay sending out that tweet yesterday at 201 but when I saw that I go that's at least something positive right the Jim Ursay is with us he he's like and and by that I mean obviously not only is he alive but I mean like he like he's able to be on his phone right he's able to send uh, a tweet and kind of communicate with the fans and communicate with the community so uh, I saw that as probably for the first time in several weeks the only thing I would add to it uh, would be and I don't know this you would know this I've covered the combine but not looking out for Jim Ursay is he seen a lot on the no, week of the combine no, not at all he's not, not seen at all okay because that no. would have been the next time in a few weeks that you would say, okay, you know, the combine's going on in Indy. He's somewhere around the facility being seen, you know, on NFL Network or something. Yeah, I, I mean, I cannot recall many times. I remember one kind of pre-combine press conference he did. This would probably have been three or four years ago, which is more of a, we need the combine to stay in Indy. It was kind of sure. carrying that more sort of, of a, flag. More of a rah-rah. Gotcha. But again, it is a Ballard-Steichen press conference setting. We'll be out you know, on Radio Row, but yeah, I, I cannot recall ever really in the hell 12, 13 combines I've been to uh, seeing Jim Mersey much in a uh, public setting. And we'll see. Maybe this all of a sudden changes something. Maybe he feels the need to do something of sorts. Maybe they look at it and say, no, you know, health-wise, he's still very much needing to be behind the scenes and we'll see everybody in Orlando. Maybe when we won't even see people in Orlando. Certainly a lot of questions remain to be answered on this end, but nonetheless, good news on that front. Hell of a comeback in Columbus for the Hoosiers. The Pacers uh, do, I think, what we're going to need them to do a lot here down the stretch, and that is you play teams that you'd rank kind of in the bottom part of the NBA. You're going to be heavily favored. You need to take care of business. That's kind of the makeup of the schedule the rest of the way, and the Pacers eventually got there last night after another very poor defensive 
half. So plenty to get to today on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. I'm Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton is back on the ones and twos. Thank you for tuning in on this Wednesday morning. All right, your morning check down. Let's dive right into it. 132-129. That's your final last night in Gamebridge. Pacers over the Rockets. Indiana moves to 29-23 and on the season. Obviously, one of the big storylines, Tyrese Halliburton, who had been uh, KB, what, 22-20 minutes respectively uh, thus far in that minutes restriction up to 29. Played a lot there in the second half and fourth quarter. Had 18.7 assists in his 29 minutes. Here's Rick Carlisle postgame on an improved Proving Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, he's moving better for sure. I think physically he's doing doing much better. Um, Ty made an enormous shot at the end. He made big, he made big shots and big plays in the fourth. You know, it's it's a lot of good signs right now. See where you know. Hopefully he feels good again tomorrow coming off of this. And uh, you know Thursday we'll see where we are with the with the minutes. About 12 in the first half, 17 in the second half, minutes-wise, for Tyrese Halliburton, 18.7 assists. The game really turned, though, about midway point of the third quarter. Houston stretched it to 10. Defensively, once again, issues for the Pacers. Honestly, Buddy Heald was huge off the bench, and TJ McConnell. More as a score than anything. Uh, He really got things going there, kind of midway, late third quarter, even into the fourth quarter there, and the Pacers played from ahead pretty much that entire fourth quarter. Halliburton had that floater to ice it there late. So a win over the Rockets. Now they will sit at home tonight and rest as the Warriors will play on national TV against the 76ers before they have a back-to-back here in Indiana. For those that have not been paying attention to the Warriors, it has been a very un-Golden State-like season. Klay Thompson actually didn't even finish the game on Monday night, not due to injury, due to just other guys Steve Kerr turning to late in that one. Trace Jackson Davis, it's been a little up and down on consistent role for him, but obviously anytime Golden State comes into town, the storylines are pretty obvious. So 7 o'clock tip tomorrow, the final home game for the Pacers until the All-Star break starting next did, did you happen? Did you happen to see the Clay Thompson press conference where he's like, yeah, man, it stinks. I wasn't good enough. I didn't get to – and I, I don't know. He was like kind of whiny but kind of not whiny. He was lamenting he didn't get to finish the game. And in the middle of it, Draymond Green comes up and it's like basically quit whining. I didn't finish games in the NBA Finals a couple of years ago. Draymond <laughs> interjecting himself into yeah, the situation. He, he interjected. Shocking. By the way, that Rick Carlisle sound, is it not? That's the most positive sound we've heard about Tyrese Halliburton in what – Three weeks is he's feeling he played 29 minutes last night. Um, they, you know, I mean, they got to play more of those in the second half. They needed that in the second half. I don't know about you, but Carlisle giving you something there of, you know, if he feels good tomorrow, you know, he's in a he's in a good spot. Boy, that's the best thing we've heard in several weeks. You know, I moved the Halliburton topic to the back burner. You know, trade deadline is going to dominate the conversation inevitably sure. for the next 36 hours, but I, I moved that Halliburton. And I think Rick said it to us yesterday, Andy. You know, had that Charlotte game gotten closer on Sunday, we probably would have seen Halliburton right. sniff this number maybe even on Sunday uh, evening. Um, all right, shifting gears to Columbus. It was an 18-point comeback for Mike Woodson's bunch. The first half went exactly like so many halves have gone for Indiana this season. Couldn't throw it in the ocean. Double-digit deficit. But, boy, everything turned there early in the second half after Ohio State came out and got off to a great start. Trey Galloway was the man spearheading it all. He had 19 in the second half, and the game-winning assist to Anthony Leal, the only shot of the game for the former Mr. Basketball. Guy flying out on him. The confidence of Anthony Leal, though, didn't seem to be affected whatsoever. 
he hits the corner three to give Indiana an eventual 76-73 win. There was also a defensive sequence that I wanted to mention, Andy, because I feel like at times this season, rightfully so, we have questioned some of the you know, rotations, lineups, however you want to label it, for Mike Woodson. Uh, Chris Holtman gave the ball to um, Jamison Battle to attack McKenzie Mbako there late in the game. And when Indiana got the opportunity to kind of amend that, it was Mbako off the floor there, an offense for defense substitution there. Um, Leal was actually the one on battle, and Ohio State ended up turning it over. Um, certainly, you know, maybe you could say, oh, yeah, I'd like to see that the first time. Learn from it. Uh, Mike Woodson did there, and Indiana was able to finish off uh, a, a, a darn impressive comeback down 18. Yeah, Trey Galloway was fantastic last night. Anthony Leal uh, in the corner. You mentioned the shots, the free throws. I, I mean, I just, I worry about that. I worry about how long Khalil Ware is going to be able to last here. I know the season's winding down. Like, at some point, he just scares me every time. I put, also tweeted this out as well. Ohio State's 42 points in the first half. I mean, that was the second most that they had had in a first half all year long. They had 45 against Rutgers. They tied that 42 against Minnesota. The reason I tweeted that out is I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, then the lead goes to 18 the second half. I'm like, Ohio State is laughing at Indiana right now. It's going to be a 25-point game after losing big at home to Penn State. And, you know, you have a terrible second half in Penn State and you come out and you're down big on the road against a crappy Ohio State team. I'll give them credit. They came back. I mean, they know they're not a very good team. They're not headed to the NCAA tournament, but it takes them four to pick yourself up and win. It does, that was and they did it. Where Indiana Faithful canceled the Peacock subscription in the first half, and then you're looking for the login there right. in the second you, half. You, Texting you, your buddies. Yeah, you email Peacock back. Can you give me Can you give me another hour of basketball? Uh, Xavier Johnson, I, that update has now all of a sudden changed from Mike Woodson saying day-to-day to out indefinitely, so don't expect. It looked like a robo-cop for him on that left arm, uh, left elbow for Xavier Johnson on the bench, so do not expect him. Anytime soon, Butler loses last night to number one UConn, seventy-one sixty-two. But the most part, it was one of those games where Butler kind of hovered right around probably eight-ish, uh, especially in the second half. They made a one run, particularly late. They cut it to five with about two minutes to go. UConn gets an offensive rebound put back though that iced it. Uh, Jason Benetti and Bill Rafferty very impressed. Dan Hurley very impressed with Butler. Uh, Posh Alexander was back in. Uh, the starting lineup, so a good sign there for Butler. They now return home for three straight after they get through the at, at Creighton, at UConn gauntlet. And Andy, I think if you're a Butler fan, you have to be highly encouraged by the start of this you know, murderous row February uh, and even late January. You get the win over Nova. You get the win at Creighton. Very competitive against UConn for 40 minutes. Now it's hold serve at home, and if you do that, I think you're going to continue to be comfortably on the right side of the bubble. Providence, Marquette, Creighton. I know I'm asking a lot. You win two out of those three. You beat Providence on what Saturday? Yeah. Uh, you win one of the next two. You, we're talking. Yeah, we're talking about you being an NCAA tournament team. Give me one more swoosh. Just a couple uh, nuggets to get to as we wrap things up. Trey Young and Scotty Barnes added to the East All Star Game roster. You'll see them in Indy next week. Of course, Embiid, Julius Randle injured there, and then Alex Tanny. What this was about late last night, maybe six. 7 o'clock or so. Alex Tanny hired here in Indianapolis. Shane Steichen bringing him in. He was in Philly from 2001, obviously with Shane Steichen. He'll be the passing game coordinator for the Colts coming up this season. Did I see a dunk contest announcement yesterday? Yeah, there is one. I have them. Do you want to hear them? 
Jalen Brown, which you talked about. Right. Uh, Hami Haquez Jr., okay, which is an interesting one. I don't think of him as a dunker. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, Mac McClung, everyone knows him. Our defending champ. And then the last one, Obi Toppin's brother, Jacob Toppin, who I followed at Kentucky. I asked who's this been with all series mostly. with Obi. Do you think like his name coming up at the trade deadline is causing hesitancy on wanting to do the dunk contest? <sighs> I, I, perhaps. I don't know. I, I, I would say... I would say yes, but I look at that lineup and the one that doesn't, the one that's not like the others is Jalen Brown. First so like, all-star o- to compete since 2017. I, I mean, Obi Toppin, even if you threw Obi Toppin in there, you'd still say, wow, he's accomplished more than the other guys that are on this list. Uh, no offense to these guys, but a pretty random list. <laughs> it's a pretty random list. I mean, no one's seen, ja- I've seen Jacob Toppin play because I've followed UK basketball, but you guys have never seen Jacob Toppin dribble a oh, basketball. I, I Jaime Hawkins is like a mid-range guy. I don't think of mid-range dudes yeah, kind all of, of a sudden. having like an old man's game, in if the you dunk will. contest. It does sound like the Pacers will continue to have more representation, though, in the All-Star game. That skills competition, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mather, and Miles Turner, a Pacers trio on that. So we'll continue to update you tomorrow, Mark. We've got someone from the NBA, right, coming in studio to talk All-Star game? Yeah. Joey Graziano is going to come in, and then we've got him, and we've got a couple other guys lined up, so we'll so see. He's been a busy man here, making his uh, really new home uh, in uh, the JW Marriott as they get <laughs> set up for the All-Star. Again, through next Wednesday, we'll still have NBA regular season games. Really, next Thursday is when you see a lot of the activities ramp up for All-Star weekends. We'll continue to keep you updated. On that, why, why don't they do the slam dunk contest at the airport? They got the court set up. Do it there. Well, it's not a court, is it? Is it just isn't just concrete? They put a sticker up. Did you try and uh, touch the I net, touch to. the rim? Uh, I wanted you? to so badly. Oh come on! Did you get a picture or anything? Yeah, I took some pictures. Okay. but yeah, go. they should do the dunk contest because what's more pressure than trying to like dunk over like a seven year old woman trying to make a <laughs> connecting flight? I thought you were going to say put a big spirit plane in the middle of the court and jump oh, over that, right? I can only think of KB. Haven't we jumped over cars before? I, I, yeah, the Kia. Oh, yeah. Blake Griffin did that. I, I was just thinking you're trying to do a dunk contest. Kevin Bone, his family, and all the kids are trying to get to Florida, and there's nine kids and 18, <laughs> 18 adults, and it looks like Home Alone. Uh, again, we'll talk a little bit more of the All-Star Game front coming up tomorrow in studio. A man that's playing in the Super Bowl going to join us later in the show, former Colt. We'll do that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. A little bit more IU conversation at 8. On the other side, though, Tyrese Halliburton, quite the defense of his good friend. That would be one buddy healed. What does that mean? Should it mean anything for the trade deadline coming up on Thursday? We'll touch on that on the other side. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5-1075 The Fan. So I'm I'm fairly certain, you know, Cluster Truck was in here yesterday. We appreciate Evan and company coming in here yesterday and dropping off some food. And I think this is the biggest upset, and I'm going to have to go see it for myself. But but yesterday, a breakfast burrito was brought in for Mark Dykton, and he was not here. And Corbin did not eat it, and it's in the refrigerator here at the fan. And I can't believe a bunch of sports radio animals let a, let a breakfast burrito sit there for damn near 24 hours. Consider yourself lucky, Dykton. 
Washington. It might be a first time in history that food that's in the fridge that is marked for somebody I just stays. Can't, I, I just can't I believe it. I want to call Corbin during the break and be like, you okay, man? Yeah. Like, dude, self-restraint on like no other there. Yeah. So, dude, Mark, go ahead, because that burrito was outstanding. Oh, I think I snarfed it down in about 53 seconds. So, we appreciate them coming in. I did hear uh, Evan was on with uh, uh, JMV, and JMV had had the fish and had rice and beans and had the very nice meal, and me Whoa. and you were scarfing sandwiches I had chips and burritos. And queso at 8.15 and in the morning. And queso. So, we appreciate them coming in. Tony Adranya will gift join card, us. by the way, to Cluster Truck yes. coming up for the pop quiz. Nine thirty dollars dollar gift card coming up around 9.30. Uh, so, George Odom going to join us. 9 o'clock hour, former Colt Safety. Uh, all pro special teamers with the 49ers. Fun conversation. Ounce of crazy. Oh, he, he's got an ounce or two of crazy. Uh, we'll talk with him at 9 o'clock. Tony Adrania, some IU basketball at 8 o'clock. I'll have you set this up. Uh, Buddy Heald is, I mean, listen, we got to talk about him. Buddy Heald is the conversation for about the next 36 hours. And last night, Tyrese Halliburton was asked about him. And everyone knows that Buddy and uh, Tyrese are very good friends on this team. And that, you know, does that way into what the Pacers may or may not do here in the next several hours. Yeah, I thought it was quite the defense from Tyrese Halliburton to Buddy Heald. And, you know, part of it is like, okay, Kevin, expect that. It is, you know, whatever. His best friend, certainly probably the closest guy that he's with on the on, on the team. But also, look at last night, Andy. And again, I'm not one that's like married to the plus-minus stat, but I do think on certain nights, there are some that really jump out at you. If you look at the Pacers last night, Andy... One player was better than a plus three all of last night. You know, for the most part, it was, you know, the, your bench was, you know, probably a little better than your starters, but not like this crazy sort of discrepancy. Buddy healed at plus 11. Again, no one better than plus three, but yet here is healed at plus 11. And it wasn't just he had 12 points and finally hit a bunch of threes. Right, he had six assists. He had six assists. Yeah. Um, so it's clearly the best game we've seen from Buddy in quite a while, and of course this leads into tomorrow afternoon in the trade deadline. Here was Tyrese Halliburton last night after the game and describing the presence of Buddy Hill. I think what Buddy brought to the table, now obviously he made shots, which helps, you know, and I thought that he did a good job competing defensively. Listen, I think the one thing that people need to understand about Buddy Hill, and I've played with him my whole career, is the gravity that he has as a basketball player. You know, his spacing, even when he's not making shots, which isn't often, I mean, he's one of the best shooters who's ever touched a basketball. His gravity when he's on the floor and in our stack actions, in our movement actions, a lot of times you have to you have to respect what he does even if he's not making shots that game. You gotta run two at him and that kinda opens up every everything for for us. So I know it's kinda overblown the talk about Buddy when he's not shooting the ball very well, but his shooting gravity and who he has is a player and has been historically when it comes to shooting the ball. I got the utmost faith in him. You know, he's probably the second best shooter on our team behind me, but he, you know, I think he shoots the ball at a high level, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, because I, I feel like it's overblown to, to talk about Buddy, but he works his butt off, he competes in here every night. Yeah, he just always brings something good to the table. Is that a friend defending a friend? Yes. Is there a lot of truth in what Tyrese Halliburton said right there? Certainly. I mean, how he describes Buddy Heald, and I don't know exactly how NBA scouting reports work, but tonight the Golden State Warriors are on a back-to-back. One of their assistants... Andy, I assume, in Philadelphia this morning is putting together a Pacers scouting report, knowing that they still play Philly tonight. And before even turning on any film for Buddy Heald, it will say something to the effect of, we cannot leave him, run him off the line, right. Make shooter him play defense. first, sure. etc. You know, sure. That is like the obvious reputation that he has earned. 
So that still is there. I mean, hell, it was even there during a shooting slump. But um, I don't know if I'm putting too much stock into one game, Andy, but for you to go season low in minutes on Sunday, which is what Buddy had, to last night, and Benedict Matherin's illness, showing up to the arena sick, having to be sent home, that probably played into some of it. But on a night where you needed something else, and McConnell was part of it, 24 minutes off the bench for Buddy, 12 points, 6 assists. If that goes the other way, if the 10-point lead in the third quarter for Houston, if that remains, Buddy does not come off the bench, hit a few shots. I might be putting too much stock into the last game before the trade deadline, but I think tomorrow could look differently for the Pacers than it might look. Maybe I'm putting too much stock into one game, but again, Buddy had been in a slump. And for him to have that performance, the Pacers to respond, I almost think it's like a sigh of relief for everybody organizationally. And now they might look at tomorrow afternoon and say, all right, let's just see what this group can do together and not look at it and say, damn, we've lost four or five. Buddy's in a slump. We can't guard anyone. Should we make a move here by 3 o'clock Thursday? Yeah, it's, you know, boy, they are. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to Alex Golden. I was on their podcast, Setting the Pace, last night. Uh, They're going to release it on Thursday. And we talked about this very thing. Uh, And, of course, we hope in the next uh, few hours, if they're going to release that, that uh, nothing happens. But Buddy Heald, boy, I find the Pacers, their decision with him to be very, very sticky. Like, I don't know... I kind of feel like, don't you, that Pacer fans are split on this? That if you gave the opinion, which we both have had on here at different times, if you gave the opinion, KB, of, well, I mean, you can't let him walk for nothing, that's not the wrong opinion. But if you also said what you just said, that, well, hey, you know, he had a nice game. He's going to get out of this slump. He is still a valuable piece to this team. Offensively, you know, you talk about depth. You get into the playoffs. This guy can get hot. He can win you a game. We understand defensively um, what he is. You see, I mean, you've seen the last couple games him be able to get some assists. I guess for me, they're just in a tricky spot with Buddy because, and I'm agnostic when it comes to this, because if they go out and they say, no, we needed, we're not going to sign this guy long-term. If we, you know, we needed to get something for him, I could sit here and say, okay, I understand that. If they said, listen, we've had Halliburton out. We have this new look team. He's going to get off this skid that he's on. He is still a valuable piece. How can we talk about win now if we move Buddy and we don't get something back that can help this team? Uh, I think the question, and you mentioned it earlier in the 7 o'clock hour, is how much does it matter the relationship with Tyrese Halliburton? Because one thing I do feel pretty firm on is I'm not in love with a quote-unquote long-term contract for Buddy Heald after the season. I'm not. If they say, hey, we want to finish out this year, we're not going to get anything for him, we're going to finish out the season, and we're going to see what we can do in the postseason, and if Buddy walks at the end of the year and he finds a good deal for him somewhere else, good for him. Um, I I guess I don't feel like you need to placate Tyrese Halliburton on here, but I don't know what they think about that. I have no idea. Do you? You know, part of me is like, should I make the analogy to the question I asked Bob Kravitz yesterday? I said to Bob, and I don't think it's apples to apples, so this is probably a poor analogy to even ponder. But like I said to Bob, you know, should Mike Woodson, having played for Bob Knight 40 years ago, matter in how we evaluate him as a head coach? 
Uh, should Tyrese Halliburton's personal relationship with Buddy Heald evaluate how we view Buddy? I, I don't. I think this one matters more than the Woodson Knight connection. Um, I. But, but isn't the answer the same for both? The answer is no for both. Well, but it, I don't but, know. It, but it but it does. Like with I Woody, it does NBA, matter that he little, played for Bobby Knight. Well, yes, for sure. I agree. But my opinion on it, I I kind of think you have to cater to Tyrese a little bit. And I know that goes against so much of like no no no. You know basketball. You know you're you're a team out there, and you know whatever. It's a, you're a fist, and you're not a bunch of individuals, and etc. <laughs> you're a like, fist. I like that. L- let's be honest. <laughs> that's not how the NBA operates in 2020. And that's not how a small market team can probably treat its star. And I also don't think Tyrese is like, I don't think he's walking in there saying, you know, demanding. Like, it's not like Giannis's little brother right, is on right. the roster here. I mean, <laughs> Buddy Heald still gives you an important presence, whether, again, he's making shots or not. Obviously, he's a more of a liability when he's not making those shots out there. But still, there is something he brings to the table for you here. You think better chance Buddy's move or Obi Toppin? Uh, I, I think to me, and this is probably what I want to have happen, I think some sort of move, some sort of veteran move uh, in moving Obi Toppin makes more sense than Buddy Heald. Because if Toppin it? doesn't get traded, we might as well just put the red shirt on Jairus Walker. Well, there's no doubt about that. Plus, I just don't know. I, I, I'm just not in love with Obi's game. I, I just He doesn't rebound enough for me. I know he's the high flyer and everything else. But if you told me they get into a playoff series and the rotation gets shaved a little bit, who would be a man that could get left out? I don't see Buddy getting left out. Of a rotation. His minutes might not be the same. I could see Obi Toppin getting way less minutes or yeah, being left yeah. out of the rotation if you're gonna altogether. The rotation, yeah. Like, I mean, don't you feel that way? So I don't know if you get much for Obi, but if there's something there, you can bring somebody back, a veteran presence, whatever it may be, to change it up. A small move, that's kind of what I feel for the Pacers. I, I, I am almost. And we've we've talked out of both sides of our mouth here the last several weeks. I think I have settled on whatever they do with Buddy, I can kind of get behind it. But I would probably lean towards keeping him for the Tyrese, you know, for the Halliburton relationship and the fact that he still at any point can help you win. You know, you get into the playoffs, he could hit five or six threes in a quarter and help you win a game against a New York, a Milwaukee, a Philadelphia, a Chicago, somebody like that. Yeah, and that's to turn this into a playoff rotation sort of discussion. But assuming your starting five is Andrew Nemhart is the fifth starter moving forward. You know, six, seven, and eight in some order is Buddy Heald, Benedict Mather, and Jalen Smith. And you know, when you get to the playoffs, you're not playing back to backs. I mean, right, you get two days off. Yeah, or eight, more. Eight, eight yeah. might be enough. Now, if you go to nine, that's where McConnell creeps in. That's where maybe Isaiah Jackson. That's where Obi Toppin. You know, Ben Shepard. So yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're still a couple months away from that being a conversation. Uh, but certainly, you know, how that looks and the juggle of that will be interesting to keep an eye on. All right, one of my favorites. I love Tony Adranya and his opinions on IU basketball. Um, certainly can do it from a coach and a film standpoint, but I think it's got great perspective and a pretty even keel head uh, to go with it, which at times is needed when you're describing this program. Big comeback last night for the Hoosiers. What did he see? What does he see big picture? Would he rather have McKenzie and Baco or Cleo Ware back? We'll mm-hmm. toss some of that his way. Coming up next. 
Yeah, we keep it going on this Wednesday, broadcasting live, as always, from the DriveHubler.com studios. Mark Dykton is back, KB, and Andy hanging out with you until 10 o'clock. George Odom, former Indianapolis Colts safety, uh, current San Francisco 49er, he'll join us in about an hour. But we do keep the IU basketball conversation going. Tony Adrania joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tony, good morning. Uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, what was Indiana doing to get down 18 that had to frustrate you and how did they turn things around in your opinion in the second half good morning gentlemen uh, happy to be here always a pleasure being on uh, yeah to to answer your question uh it was really what weren't they doing to to really kind of grind my gears uh you know if you watched the halftime show yesterday on peacock um you know they really went after indiana's energy their efforts uh and really that's kind of what it boiled down to. It just kind of looked lackadaisical. Uh, you know, you, they were coming off of a, a bad home loss to Penn State and really just didn't come out with the energy that you thought they'd need to win a road game uh, in the Big Ten against another team that was kind of sliding as well. So it was really kind of what I didn't see. Uh, not a lot of defense being played. Not a, You know, the effort was up and down. Uh, guys were fouling a lot, giving easy buckets to Ohio State. So, you know, there there wasn't much to like uh, at halftime yesterday for, for the Hoosiers. Tony Adranya joins us. You've heard him on these airwaves with us before. He is, I guess, he, he's our coach, and he also does some great film work with Assembly Call. Must follow for IU fans out there. Uh, Tony, I'll, I'll leave it rather simple. Uh, what has Anthony Leal brought to this team over the last couple of games? The missing piece, man. He really is. Um, you know, as as a coach, there's just guys sometimes that you just trust to always do the right thing, be in the right spot. And on top of that, he's a, a leader in that locker room, and he's a voice that guys will listen to and respect. You know, he can get in somebody's rear end, and, you know, they're not going to – freak out you know they're they're going to respect that because he's earned that so you know it's just it's a lot of fun to watch from from this perspective of a guy that really has kind of waited his turn and make no mistake about it there's there's no player in the world that is happy to just sit on the bench um and and watch things especially when they're not going well and think you can contribute and you can do things but it's kind of how you respond to that you know you can sulk uh, you can be negative. You can have poor body language. But Anthony Leal, every single time you looked at the bench, he was the first guy up. He's telling guys where to be based on the scouting report. And now he's getting his opportunity. And, you know, he, he's flourishing in that opportunity. And, you know, the, the old saying is stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And, and he's really living that out. And it's, it's awesome to see. I, I assume you're in the camp of you start him Saturday night in West Lafayette? I think I am. You know, I, it's it's tough because you, you're probably inserting him in the lineup for Gabe Cups, and so that means Trey Galloway kind of takes over the, um, you know, the ball handling role or, or initiating the offense. But honestly, last night, Indiana offensively, they ran a little two-man action with Trey Galloway and, and Malik Renew a ton in the second half where Anthony Leal actually initiated that offense. So I think it's a good – good time to do it because Purdue is not somebody that's going to uh, get get in your shorts and, and really make you turn the ball over. Their defense is more of a passive, make you t- grind the shot clock down, 
take a bad shot with low shot clock. So if you're going to start kind of no point guard, I think that might be the matchup to do it. Tony Adranya with us at Coach Adranya. You want to follow him on uh, X? I'm trying to move my vocabulary, KB, from just Twitter, and it needs to be the right vocabulary. Now I'm going to call it uh, X. If you want to follow him there, I'm uh, still Team Twitter. Uh, I know. I'm with you. A bunch of great, <laughs> uh, a bunch of uh, of great analysis on the IU basketball team. Tony, I got to be honest. So I feel like all of my questions are backhanded with um, with, with a slap to IU. Great win last night, but what the hell's happened to Ohio State? Right. Like, it just can't be praising IU because they've had such a, a bad, you know, a bad season, let's be honest. And I feel that way. I said it a couple days ago with Trey Galloway. Galloway has had some games where he has just been great. He has carried them in games, even in losses. He has kept these games close. And last night he was fantastic. But I met with if Trey Galloway had help around him, boy, you could really see him be a great piece to a puzzle instead of having to have too much on him like he often does. Do you agree with that? And what do you make of the overall play from Trey Galloway, especially last night? There's no question about it. And, and, you know, really Indiana's struggles can be pointed to their guard play. Uh, You know, when when their guards play well, they play well. You know, you, you look back to Galloway um, and his performance against Kansas. You know, Kansas is one of the best teams in the country. Uh, you play them toe-to-toe. They had good guard play, uh, specifically with uh, Trey Galloway. So, you know, Coach Woodson's talked about that some as well, of, you know, the, the front court has been uh, – has kind of flourished where the back court has really, really struggled. Um, you know, statistically speaking, probably the worst back court in the country. So – when you look at a guy like Trey Galloway, um, you know, he, the, it's also like he needs the floor to be open in order to flourish. And, and you've got uh, guys like Renew and Ware, which are very, very good basketball players. But when you kind of are sitting both of them on either block, it, it's hard for Galloway to create and do the things that he does well. Last night you saw that kind of open up. I mentioned that two-man game that, that IU was running with, with Galloway and Renew. You know, they call it a zoom action. Robbie Hummel talked about it on the broadcast as well. Um, but the floor was open, and he was able to create. You saw that little floater that he was shooting. And then that, that gives him confidence because he also – he's really struggled to shoot the ball this season. He was, uh, you know, in the mid-40s last year from the three-point line in the 20s this year. And when you open the floor up, he makes his floater. He's got some confidence. That's what shooting's all about, right? You know, you don't go from a 45% three-point shooter to a 20-some percent three-point shooter because your mechanics got all wonky. It's confidence. It's mental. And when he sees that ball go through the hoop, all of a sudden he's feeling good, and, you know, he puts out a 25-point performance and helps lead IU to victory. And, yeah, road games, games away from home have been an issue for Trey this season. Obviously a must to keep it somewhat entertaining uh, come Saturday night. Again, Tony Adranya is with us here, an absolute must-follow for Indiana fans. That is A-D-R-A-G-N-A. Uh, follow him over on Twitter. Tony, it's a little bit more of a bigger-picture question as you look at the season now with a month to go. Would you summarize the issues more as overall talent, roster construction, or not adapting to the personnel you have? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of all three. I mean, I think, I think the biggest picture issue is roster construction, certainly. Um, and, you know, hindsight is it's certainly 2020 in this scenario. You know, you, you see that Indiana had a 60-year point guard coming back. 
a guy that, you know, you hoped would be at the level he was at when he kind of finished that, that Big Ten tournament run a couple of years ago that, that helped lead Indiana into the tournament and Xavier Johnson. Last season, obviously, had a season-ending injury. Uh, and then this year has been all over the place in terms of injuries and just, you know, how he's handled himself on the court. Um, and then you've got Galloway, who is coming back as well with, uh, you know, a great season last year. And really, you thought he'd figure out how to shoot the basketball and, and would be a senior leader. Um, and then, you know, you've got a five-star, five-star, five-star at, at three, four, and five. So you, you, you look at that and you're like, you know, that's on paper makes a lot of sense. But like I said, there's also those caveats where, you know, you've got the point guard you're relying on is coming off an injury. Trey Galloway was a recipient of a lot of, you know, Trace Jackson Davis getting doubled and kickouts to him. So there were all there were certainly some some things to look at. It's like, you know, this, this could go sideways. Um, and then on the flip side, too, it's, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, go to the portal, you know, get get some guards. And in Indiana, it wasn't for lack of trying. They, they went after guards in the portal last year. Um, you know, but for the same reason that I mentioned, you had a six-year point guard returning. You had a guy that, that started last year returning at the two. You know, when you're trying to get high-caliber guards, the other teams are recruiting against that. You know, if, if you're going up against the, uh, let's say, a Purdue or something for Lance Jones, and they've said, look, here's your starting spot. It's wide open. And down there, you know, you're going against two guys that play 30 minutes per game. Like, all of those things factor in. So the roster construction is certainly the larger issue. Um, you know, I do think that McKenzie and Baco would be better suited to play the four, but his NBA kind of – Pass forward is more at the three. So they're, you know, I, I have a feeling that that was probably discussed in his recruitment of, hey, we'll let you play the three. So you can't really go back on that because then word gets out, you went back on your recruitment. So there's just a lot of weird moving parts there. But ultimately, yeah, the, you know, this roster just is not built for basketball in 2024. Tony, it's a week 2024 NBA draft by all accounts. Guys declare for the draft all the time, and their respective schools and the fan bases of those schools are like, wait, what? He's not ready? Let's just live in reality. Again, guys declare because whatever. They want to be done with it. Uh, They want to experience a professional game, et cetera, et cetera. It's a million reasons. Having said that, if you could only pick one of Khalil Ware or McKenzie and Baco to return, who would you pick? Based on like who I would want or who I think uh, is want, more likely. Want, want more so than think. It's tough. Um, I think Mbako. Uh, and that's because it, I think it could help force Indiana more into like a modern day. You play uh, Malik Renu at the five. Mbako can play more of a small ball four. Even if you put him on the wing, he can still kind of act as a four. Uh, make no mistake about it. Kluwer is is – a tremendous talent. He's by every stretch of the imagination probably going pro, and you know, unless something crazy happens here down the stretch, has really turned himself into probably a first-round draft pick. So that's not me. That's not really a knock on where for me. For me, it's it's more of that roster construction we just talked about, where um, you know, if if it kind of forces the hand of Mike Woodson to play more of a, a small ball, if you will, with Malik Renew at the five, then I'm all in on that. 
Yeah, the roster construction, Tony, at the end of the year is going to be fascinating. So many of these guys can even come back, right? Uh, You know, they have another year of eligibility. Who transfers? Who transfers in? Who Mike Woodson thinks, hey, you need to go somewhere else. Uh, It's going to be fascinating. Woodson's going to have to change something uh, or he's not going to be on the job too much longer. That's just the way that it is. Tony Adrania with with us at Coach Adrania. You want to follow him on Twitter X. Okay, so I know the answer to this question, especially Especially in the first half, Tony, is foul trouble. But Purdue is coming up, okay? The Purdue game's coming up. And 51-29 was the halftime score. We know Indiana got in foul trouble. What was it? Khalil Ware, Mackenzie, and Baco. Uh, and then they weren't inserted into the game until, quite frankly, in the first half, it was too late. If we could move that aside a little bit, what do you want to see differently what do you want to see that's going to be different this time around against Purdue or is all hope lost the way that Purdue's playing basketball right now <laughs> I mean yeah Indiana's gonna to have to play out of their mind you know to, to go into Mackey and beat Purdue you know it, it would take a lot you know, what I would love to see is uh, you know try to bring Zach Eady out from outside the paint on the defensive end um, you know, make him full guard in ball screens and, you know, some of the action they were running with like Malik Renew and Trey Galloway yesterday, try to get Trey Galloway going downhill and allow him to make decisions like he did on that, that last uh, shot to Anthony Leal. You know, he made the right read, made a good decision, kicked out to Leal. So, you know, in terms of offensively, you know, force Purdue to guard, uh, defensively pressure, pressure their guards, you know, uh, Braden Smith is a tremendous point guard. You know, I've I've gone on Twitter slash X and, and defended that I think he's a top ten point guard in the country. Um, but you know, he does struggle with some pressure at times. And Fletcher Lawyer is the same way. So you know, pressure those guards, make their post entries to Zach Eady as hard as they can. And then in terms of Zach Eady, try to force him to go over his right shoulder and use his left hand. Um, if he gets the ball deep and he can go with his right hand, that little baby hook he's got. He's unstoppable, and and IU showcased that when when he was at Assembly Hall. When they forced him to go over his opposite shoulder and use his left hand on that baby hook, he's a little bit less effective. So defensively, you know, pressure pressure Purdue guard as much as you possibly can, and then if the ball does go into the post, first of all, you got to push that TD out, make him catch it as far away as you possibly can, and then try to force him to use his left hand. Those are the the main things. I'd like to see Indiana to have a shot on Saturday night. Tony, film-wise, anything to keep our eyes out for, whether it was the comeback last night or looking ahead to Saturday night? Yeah, I think if you look at last night uh, defensively, I think if you look at the first half energy versus the second half energy, it's apparent. Um, you know, you, and then when the energy's higher, guys are just more connected. All of a sudden, you know, you see everybody, hey, huddle up after every uh, timeout or after every foul or whatever, like. Those little things go a long way, and, and when the energy's low, you know, you don't see that. The bench is, energy's not great. So if you just look at the energy from last night, like, it's it's apparent. Uh, moving into to Saturday, I think the start of the game is, is paramount. Um, I think the way the substitutions are used is paramount. You know, there's – at one point last night, there was a lineup on the floor. I think it was Cups, Gunn, Leal – uh, renew and sparks. And it's, you know, it's like if you put that lineup out there against Purdue, you know, that, that could be a 20 0 run. Like, you know, there's, there's not a lot of scoring out there. Like you just, you, you can't put lineups out there like that. Even if it's for a short spurt of time, 
um, because it's just there's nobody that can score the ball in that lineup outside of Renew, and they can quite literally put like five guys on him, and it'd be really tough for IU to do anything. So uh, I, I think that's a big one. Uh, you know, if, if guys do get two fouls, like Khalil Ware, I feel like you've got to trust him a little bit more. He's averaging, I think, 1.9 fouls per game. So if he gets a couple early ones, you trust that he's he's not going to, to pick up five. And, yeah, you know, you, you got to ride your horses. That was last night. The comeback came with Indiana playing the, the same group for the better part of the second half. Um, and, and, you know, they made it out unscathed pretty pretty well. So that's that's the big thing, too. You know, the guys that get you there, ride them. You know, if you got to use timeouts, in the midst of the game to get guys rest, do it. Um, but, you know, you can't throw funky lineup configurations out there against, you know, what is quite possibly the best team in the country on the road and expect to come out with a W. Yeah, Leal, Galloway, and those big three, and Baco, Renew, Ware, that was the five that Mike Woodson rode pretty hard here throughout the second half last night as Indiana records quite the comeback in Columbus. Again, at Coach Adranya on Twitter. It is a must-follow for the IU faithful. Tony, I hope the family's doing well. Always enjoy our conversation, so thanks for doing it. Thanks a lot, guys. Always appreciate it. That is Tony Adrania right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, you look back on the first meeting, so much obviously has changed. Um, or at least I, I should say so much you can't guarantee for Saturday night. Like Mbako and Ware, two fouls, boom, they're on the bench for 15 minutes. Probably unlikely to happen, of course. Anthony Leal, for what it's worth, he didn't even play in that first game. He was out injured. <laughs> he might start in this game, played 20, what, 25 minutes right. last and, night. And I know like that, you know, on Tuesday night, January 16th, it was not even a storyline. And all of a sudden, yeah, to your point, he could be in the starting lineup. Uh, but boy, that place, you know, it's going to be rocking on Saturday night. And uh, I, I just, I guess Ware's injury is probably something to keep an eye on. I, I don't it, know how that is. left knee looked at the end of the game last night, but that'll obviously be a storyline as well. You know, I, I kind of view, and Friday we'll have a lot more time to talk about this, Kevin. I feel that it's going to be a similar score. I don't think the game will play out. I don't think Indiana will be down 51-29. to 29. I don't think Mike Woodson will fall asleep. I don't think they'll have the, tur- uh, not turnover, have the... Um, Oh, goodness, the foul troubles early in the game. But I think in the end, if you told me it was roughly the same score, I'm interested to see, by the way, as well, kind of what that what that, what that that line uh, is going to be. I was looking at you. Who autographed your hat, by the way? For the YouTube audience, you have an autograph on that Pacer hat. I think we've had this Who is it? Yeah, I can't remember. Is it Detlef? I, I, Who is it? Eddie no. White told me DeMontis Sabonis. Okay. I, I don't know if I believe it. I think it was Bowser. <laughs> it was, okay, there you was go. Was that Boomer's kid, Bowser? Uh, I don't know the family tree necessarily for Boomer, but I believe it was. I was wondering. And then the other thing. It we, is interesting. It looks kind of like a, I, it, it's an interesting signature. Well, and it's also, I can tell you don't trust, you, you don't trust the autograph given that you're wearing it all the time. Well, it's I just not like in, the hat. A little yeah, throwback. Too yeah, bad we aren't get, at, in Vegas for the Super Bowl. We can go out to the Pawn Stars place and had them verify the signature. Sure, It'd right, be great. Exactly. That could have been right. a great They'll show. offer you some money. You could make yeah, one, one bet in blackjack on the money you'll get for that. to it from Domas here. <laughs> I wanted to bring up this and we haven't talked about it and I meant to bring it up at 7.30, but we got into to the Buddy Heel discussion is my God, the reviews last night in the IU game. I mean, there's like five of them, and they were all well, long that, reviews. And then there was college basketball. And then there was the one that was five minutes. Butler we had a Creighton's five minute review. Butler Creighton's final minute the other night took 22 minutes. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, no, it didn't. I mean, I'm telling you, the end of this game, but it wasn't only that every play they went to the monitor, okay? It was, there was, that was it Sparks who went high and they were trying to figure out, remember there was a block, there was a, they called, they called a blocking foul where they shot a one and one with no one on the line and then they went back the other way for the flagrant because Sparks had his elbow high on uh, an Ohio State defender and it took, even Hummel was like, yo, man, we're filling time here. This has been five and a half minutes minutes of TV time we've had to fill. I know Tony mentioned obviously getting off to a good start, and that's, you know, duh, almost like like kind of a duh statement. But when you think back to last night, Andy, they were down 13 at halftime, and Ohio State had like a five-minute scoring drought in the first half. Yeah. Purdue ain't doing that at home. So if well, all of a no. sudden it no. starts to snowball, no, you'll be down 20. and it gets to 8 yeah. or 10, and it, it can get to, you know, 16 or 18 in a hurry there, and then it's just, you know, Head back down I sixty five. So uh, obviously, I, I know some of that is just duh, Kevin. It's obvious stuff, but uh, yeah, the opponent is going to be quite different come Saturday night. All right, coming up at nine, George Odom is going to join us. That is a safety for the Forty ers I think Colts fans will remember that name, George Odom. Always an entertaining conversation. We caught up with him. He's going to join us coming up. We'll play that for you at nine. Uh, Mark, you said Kurt want to talk a little Pacers. I want to yes, make sure did. we got to him. Mm-hmm. Kurt, how you doing on this Wednesday morning? Hey, good morning. I'm good from sunny Arkansas. How are you guys? Well, nice. I would say sunny Indianapolis. Go. We have no windows in the studio, but I'm going to say fingers crossed <laughs> and believe that the sun is out right now. Kurt, Kurt, you need to watch out. Make, make sure eyes on the road. Bobby Petrino might be around there with a, on his motorcycle. Oh, so easy now. Just, uh, just kind of watch out when you're going across the interstates there in beautiful Arkansas. That's right. Still stuff a legend down here for sure. But uh, I, had a, I had a couple thoughts on the – the expiring contracts. Um, number one, I don't really want the Pacers to make a move before the deadline tomorrow because I think, you know, I like Buddy Heald. I think you keep him around. He's still valuable for this year. But unless he's able to sign a lower deal next year or willing to do that, I don't know how we can keep him. And, and same with Toppin. Because if you think about, I think the thing we're underselling in all this is how good Aaron Neesmith is playing. Like, he is just a beast. And I think he can continue to develop. And don't you hope next year that Matherin moves into the two spot in the starting lineup and then your backups become, you know, Nimhart and McConnell and then probably Ben Shepard. Hopefully his, his shooting will continue to develop. And then you have got to get minutes for Walker. You know, I think if he gets the opportunity, I think he can really flourish. And then you just have your bigs as Jalen and Isaiah Jackson. I, I just feel like there's I a agree. lot of hope on the young guys. But they need minutes to flourish. Well, and the other, uh, Kurt, thank you as always for the call. The other one I'd throw in there from an expiring contract standpoint is Jalen Smith. Again, he's got that player option for $5 million. He could go make more probably. Jalen Smith ain't saying, here's $5 million, I will happily pick that up. He is going to make more money elsewhere. And then I guess we should just mention it because it's a logistical item, but... Pascal Siakam is a free agent. Now, I think the assumption, of course, is he will be back, but I just want to make sure that we do mention that. Uh, That's the question you have to have here in the next 36 hours is of, and I guess Buddy and Obi Toppin are probably in a different category than Jalen Smith. Again, I think the assumption is Jalen Smith is going to be a free agent, and it's probably going to be difficult to bring him back. Um, Obi and Buddy maybe fall into a little bit of a different category, but you know, in years past, Andy, it was always... If this guy's going to walk, you've got to move him. I felt that way about Malcolm Brogdon. You know, Brogdon signed this like two-year extension. And it's like, wait a minute. Once like that is no longer part of your long-term future, you have got to move him. 
The Siakam trade, I think, has changed some of that. Now it's almost like, no, 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 it's win now. And I guess I just want to make sure everyone knows the ramifications. If you ride it out with Buddy Heald and you ride it out with Obi Toppin, you re-sign Siakam, you are really, really trimming what you can do to tweak this roster. Yeah, Siakam's going to make at least 43 mil next year. To at Kurt's least. point, it's going to have to be the internal sort of moves. More from Matherin, which I, I feel like we've like all of a sudden looked at this year from Matherin like a bad year. You look at almost virtually all of his numbers, he's improved. But he hasn't won the starting job, and I think at some point, did we want that? That would be my question. Yeah, did, we see him, like, did we see him uh, blossom to the point to where it's like, well, yeah, we don't need this guy or that guy because, you know, Matherin is going to be our starter who's playing 32 minutes a I game. We're we not like, quite there yet. We act like it's a step back from him this season. I'm like, well, uh, not really when you look at it statistically. I guess if you want to throw in the, oh, he's not a starter for this team. I mean, I'm sure you could probably get into debates about how you want to end games um, certain wise you know whether it is Nemhard more for defense whether it is Matherin uh, but I think that's the question you have to look at is if you don't financially it's going to be difficult to make a lot of kind of outside moves moving forward so that means again the jump from Matherin you obviously want Jarris Walker to take strides the passing of the torch from Buddy Heald to Ben Shepard I think is an interesting one because like height positionally it kind of checks out stylistically, they're two very different shooting guards, if you want to label both of them as that. The question I think would then become is, again, can Shepard become an adequate three-point shooter while still giving you more defensively, more energy, more rebounding than Buddy is going to give you on that end? Obviously, age-wise, they are a lot different. It's just the tone of those questions, Andy, are a lot, lot different once you've made the Siakam trade. Like, you tried to re-sign Buddy at the start of the year. Are you trying to do that now? See, I don't feel I don't feel that way. Because I, of the Siakam trade or because Buddy's I, had an up and down year? Because I think it's both. I, I think I think it is both. I, I guess for me, Buddy seemed like at the beginning of the season, did he not seem like a higher priority than he is now? That's how I feel. Am I wrong with that? And then, and we can even discuss this after the break if you want. You know, the Pacers getting Siakam, they're a win now. Yes, but they're not a win now like the Celtics are a win now, right? Are there different levels? Are there different tiers? Are there different degrees of win now? That would be what I would say. To me, they are a win a playoff series now much more than maybe they were without Pascal Siakam. And then I say that, hey, some of the better teams in the East, you know, they've been able to, to beat Philadelphia. They've owned Milwaukee this year. They have played Boston uh, pretty tight in some of these games. So... You know, I, I don't know. When we say win now, they're not Boston win now. They're not Milwaukee win now. They're not a number of those teams, but they should not be in the play-in games. They also should, you know, we should expect them to win a playoff series. I mean, there is a chance with, you know, you bring in Jalen Smith, who sure is going to be able to get more than $5.5 million somewhere, you would imagine. I mean, you're looking at potentially those three guys, you would move on and not get anything for them. And I find that fans Fans usually are good with that, and then if they go to the playoffs and these guys don't play well or they don't play very much and the Pacers fizzle out or something, you're going to say, well, why didn't we get you know this guy, that guy, and a couple second-round picks? It's There's going to be a lot of revisionist history with it. Your mic's off, sorry. I think the other conversation you have to have here in the next, again, 36 hours, Thursday at 3 o'clock is the trade deadline, is where are you at defensively? 
Are you accepting of your defensive level? Do you feel like it's improved a little to satisfactory in your mind to where you can get by with it? Or is it still an issue that needs heavy addressing? Because I I, I went through the schedule last night. I had trouble sleeping. This is what I do when I can't sleep. Uh, The Pacers have played 52 games this season after last night, Andy. 29 and 23. Does that sound right? Yes, 52 Um, games. Yep. So 29 and 23, so 52 total games. They have held their opponents to under their season average in points in 13 of those 52 games. So when you play the Pacers, 75% of those opponents are scoring better than their average. Are you accepting of that? It's been better since kind of the turn of the year, since January, but still, it's not at a playoff level. By If you look at playoff winning teams, that number is much, much higher than, again, 13 times in 52 games, a team has been below their average. When stuff tightens up in the playoffs, are you equipped to kind of handle a little bit more of a, man, it's only been one or two field goals in the last three or four minutes, like that type of grinded game. And remember, in the in-season tournament, the Pacers won a couple of those games. They held Boston. Oh, you're going to get those lower games. number. Sure, they held, sure so thing. I, it, that's where I look at. It, I think we've kind of moved defense to the side, and it's like, wait a minute. We saw it in the in-season tournament, and the Pacers handled it better. History shows you're going to see it in the playoffs. It ain't going to be Pistons Pacers seventy to seventy from back in the day, but you're going to get numbers closer to the one hundred five mark. Can you win those types of games? The flip side would be, and this would be the uh, my man JMV, this would be the JMV discussion. It would be, you're predicated on offense, so make sure the offense is as good as possible and has as many options, like a buddy healed, as humanly possible, knowing that right now you're probably not going to be able to make the move that's going to shore up your defense. Now, whether, I mean, th- this goes back to like a name, and again, you know, me and Alex Golden were talking about this last night on their podcast. Royce O'Neal, uh, Okoro, who is with, uh, remember the kid Cleveland, from Auburn, yeah, Isaac uh, who's, uh, you know, who's a good defender, a younger player. He's had some injuries and stuff. You know, can you make a small move like that that helps the defense out a little bit, knowing you can plug most guys into this really, really good offense with Rick Carlisle and get probably better production out of them? To me, that's what my conversation would be. Can you move Obi to get someone that could help the defense a little bit, knowing that Obi Toppin's not going to be part of your rotation? Uh, but my answer would be you're probably not going to help the defense too much. Make sure that offense is as good as possible going into the postseason. Finally, a positive update on the Jim Irsay front. We'll share that on the other side. Before that, let's hit a uh, heavy hoop-centric morning checkdown. By the way, I should mention and promote uh, Horizon Weeklies tonight with uh, Rakestraw. That's coming up at 6 after JMV right here on The Fan. Okay, uh, Pacers last night, that's what we've been talking about. 132-129 winners there in Gamebridge over the Houston Rockets. Pacers now 29-23 and on the season. Post-game, Tyrese Halliburton, the status of his hamstring. I think when you watch me, you see a little bit more pop to my game. Just being able to fly around a little bit more, be more active. I think that, that that's been good. I mean, obviously there's like the there's soreness after games and stuff like that, but that that's expected with a hamstring. You know, our medical staff has done a really good job of 
helping me kind of manage this and figure out, you know, what I'm feeling and figuring out uh, the best ways to attack things. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of soreness after game and stuff. But in the in the game, I feel good. I feel like I'm moving well, and, and that's positive. Just want to be healthy going into All-Star break and, you know, after All-Star, uh, just really hit the ground running and be ready to go. Yeah, I think great signs from the Halliburton Minute uh, standpoint last night, closing it with that floater in the lane as well as things got a little shaky in the final couple of minutes. Uh, but a big, big shout-out to Buddy Heald and TJ McConnell. That third quarter, Houston stretched it to 10. And Aaron Neesmith gets his third foul. You're thinking, oh boy, there goes you know your best defender, your best wing defender, certainly. And all of a sudden, that second unit, really with Buddy and especially TJ McConnell, more is the score. He was giving it to Aaron Holiday. Boy, if you're on Aaron Holiday, you probably had some flashbacks to uh, the mentor doing that to the mentee back in their Pacer days as well. So the Pacers able to get that done, 132-129. The Warriors coming up on Thursday. Golden State has got Philly tonight. So a back-to-back. Again, Steph Curry has played in six of the seven back-to-backs this season for Golden State. So for those in the building tomorrow night, uh, still, I think, a pretty good chance you see Steph in action. And there's a certain fan base that comes out when the, war- the Warriors and other teams come out. Carmel Pups night, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's them. Uh-huh. <laughs> they honor the Carmel Pups kids. Yep. Uh-huh. Everybody wearing their Steph Curry jer- yeah, I'm jerseys sure. in the Staying building. Staying outside the hotel. Oh, yeah. An autograph. Yeah. The Conrad line will be like long oh, yeah. before the shoot-around, <laughs> or I guess before they head to the arena tomorrow night. All right, uh, quite the second half for the Hoosiers in Columbus yesterday. Down eight. Points. Trey Galloway spearheaded it all uh, and fittingly had the game winning assist to his fellow Indiana native, Anthony Leal. Something about that shot by Leal, Andy, the only shot of the game for the Bloomington native. Uh, you know, guy flying out on him, and Leal's able to knock that down in the corner for the game winner. Mentioned this earlier in the show, but I, I do want to bring it up again. There's been times, I think, very understandably, you can question Mike Woodson and the handling of. Uh, substitutions, lineups, etc. He made a little tweak there in the final minute. Jamison Battle, the guy that Ohio State was going to, scored on McKenzie and Baco. I think Baco actually fouled him on a possession to give Ohio State the the lead. Made a defense for offense switch. Then after that, took Baco out of the game. Leal went on to battle. They got a steal that was pivotal in completing that comeback. Yeah, good for them. Indiana got the win. I don't know what you want from me. Uh, I, I sound negative every time I talk Indiana. Yeah, it was a nice win, but that can we live in a, it's a, a can we live in a small picture moment? No, it was. Listen, it was nice. Anthony Leal has had a couple of good games, and I would uh, I would imagine he's uh, he's big man on campus a couple of those days. Good for him. He and Trey Galloway killing it in Bloomington. How's that? Renew twenty six and fourteen again. The consistency for him has been one of the very few things for Indiana to have on a night-in, night-out basis. All right, last night in stores, Butler hung in there with UConn, really for the better part of 40 minutes, uh, always kind of flirting in that 6-8 to eight point range. They got it to 5 with 2 minutes to go. UConn, though, with an offensive rebound put back. I think it was a 3-point play for Donovan Klingon, and that pretty much sealed it for the Dogs. He had nothing to damage their resume. I mean, hell, they covered, if you want to look at it. Yes, they did. From that standpoint there. And for the most part, Andy, and everything I've looked at bracket-wise, Butler is very much on the right side of the bubble. I think Lenardi had moved him down one spot from yesterday. They're in the Dayton games uh, as one of the first uh, four, or I should say the last four in there, but a huge one Saturday for Butler. It'll be Providence at Hinkle, a rematch of kind of a crazy game back in late December when Butler had to fly out the morning of the game. They got off to the awful start, then all of a sudden they're leading, and 
God, they should have won that uh, game. They should have fouled up three. Yeah, they they should have won that game. And then it got away from them in overtime. So a big bubble-related game, Butler and Providence. And uh, locally tonight, Indiana State has got one of the worst teams in the MoVal. That would be Valpo as they uh, are back in action after their big win over Drake on Saturday. One more swoosh. Uh, just quickly, Shane Steichen hiring Alex Tanny as his that new is a former passing... Colt quarterback. Yeah, Alex back Tanny. in uh, 2015, he had a cup of coffee. I know he's on some practice squads. He's the new passing game coordinator. He had been uh, with Steichen there in Philly. He had been with Philly since 2021. So there you go. A little news. On the other side, the latest on Jim Ursay. For the first time in a while, we've got positive news to share. We'll do that next. Former Colts safety and uh, current San Francisco 49er George Odom going to join us here coming up in about 20 minutes. KB, you, uh, you teased this before the break, and it's just interesting the timing. Yesterday, we had the conversation with Bob Kravitz, right, in the 9 o'clock hour, and one of the things we talked about near the end of that conversation was Jim Irsay. Have you heard anything about Jim Irsay? And we've had uh, several you know, columnists or Colts beat writers on, hey, have you heard anything else about Jim Irsay? Obviously, there's always a ton of rumors when uh, when there's an illness like this uh, with Mr. Ursay. He did tweet out uh, at 2 o'clock yesterday, 2.01, he tweeted out, On the mend, grateful for all the messages of love and support, and put the heart emoji in again. Uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN, a uh, friend of the show here, friend of the station, did confirm that was Ursay, uh, who was in control of his Twitter X account, and put that tweet out. Uh, so perhaps a little good news Kind of the best ray of sunshine we have seen with this story in many, many weeks. Yeah, and again, the timetable, because I know it can be confusing for people in following this story. Um, the arrest, we've heard the 911 call where Pete Ward, the Colt COO, was relaying that information to the police, uh, occurred on December 8th, the wee hours of December 8th, in the reported overdose uh, and the Narcon uh, having to be used um, on Jim Mersey there. Uh, the oxygen levels, I think, what, 71, 72, I believe is what Pete Ward relayed to the police there, again, uh, around 4 a.m. on December 8th. You know, a week after that, we saw Ursay. Right. I mean, he was in the public yeah. light after that win over the Steelers. He was in the locker room, you know, had kind of his walking sticks that we have seen him utilize here over the last couple of years, especially, I think, over the last year or so. Um, and then, all of a sudden... The disappearance kind of happened, or at least we haven't seen him since, I guess is the better way to put it. And as I've said all along, for a man that has his passion, which is on the scale of passion, it is as passionate as they come. For him to have not been there or be front-facing in any way for the biggest home game in that stadium in nine years told me everything I needed to know about where, and there was some obviously other information I was gathering on it, but that told me everything I needed to know, and Unfortunately, Jim Mercer's health record is, you know, hell, anyone that's 64 years old, Andy, and goes through a severe respiratory illness, you're going to have worry. And especially you're going to have worry when you have someone with the medical history that he unfortunately has. So uh, the no news update or the very minimal updates from the Colts, that just kind of added to it. But yesterday, uh, just after 2 o'clock, Jim Mercer again tweeting, on the mend, grateful for all the messages of love and support with that heart emoji. Now I think the next question becomes, when do we see him, hear from him in more of a non, you know, whatever, two-sentence tweet? If you go off past off-season history of Ursay, we probably don't see him for another month and a half. That would be the league meetings 
uh, in Orlando coming up March 24th through the 27th. Those are the big annual meetings. All the owners are there. Pretty much the vast majority of owners do a big media briefing with their local media that's well, they, there. They, they sit down, they have orange juice and coffee and croissants at a table. Don't they? Isn't well, that the that one? that is the head coach's okay. breakfast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ursay does his a little bit more. <laughs> He'll be in a hallway? Isolated. Okay. Uh, honestly, I think feel like it's typically in his uh, in his suite or condo oh, is, or Have you ever been to whatever. that, by the way? Have you ever, I have. Have you covered um, it? Okay. Yeah, it is a great one-stop shop because Ballard, Steich, and Ursay, yeah, all three all there. of them, yeah. do speak to the media there. Um, but that is probably the next time we should potentially look for Ursay again if you follow kind of normal offseason script. You know, you've asked me, you know, what about the Super Bowl? What about the Combine? I can't recall many times that Ursay, outside of social media, has been in front of cameras in either of those two events. Well, I'm surprised for the Combine because it's in Indianapolis and everyone, I mean, everyone in the NFL seemingly, every gas bag media member is in attendance, right? Right. But again, it's not really an owner thing. Sure, it's a coach um, thing. It's a GM thing. So that is probably where we should look for the next potential update. You know, there's part of me that's like, given how public this has been, given how, um, you know, behind the scenes this has been, a very public person like Jim Irsay, it would probably do well to calm a lot of fears, answer some questions on if, at the very least, he released more of a statement than just, you know, on the men, thank you for the support, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe we'll get there at some point here in the month of February. Uh, but again, if you want to follow the timeline and how things Ursay typically operates in an offseason, it's nothing really Super Bowl related. It's nothing really Combine related. March 24th through the 27th. Their uh, NFL owners' meetings in Orlando. Uh, one other thing on this, and, and I, this is probably uh, you'd say, well, well, yeah, Andy. I mean, obviously, just to connect the dots to all of this, what what made it scary, I, and I, whatever words you want to use about Ursay's condition, was you know the statement released by the Colts was just a very short kind of cold statement, right? I mean, it's just a very, you're not going to get a lot of information, and then you combine that. Well, the phrase, I mean, I don't think we can ignore that phrase. Severe, severe. respiratory sure. illness. Again, oh, yeah. I don't want to act like, you know, people that I'm around, everybody's around the same sort of illnesses, but anytime you hear respiratory for someone of his age, uh, it's scary. and you hear the yeah. word severe, well, and, and it's the winter months, and you have the medical history, I'm not a doctor, but I can add up. It is serious. And Jim Mercy, unfortunately, has been in some serious medical situations yeah. in his life. But you combine that and then kind of, you know, Chris Ballard really moving, you like know, stable, stable moving away Ballard from used. it when he was at the end of the year. And then you hear nothing. And then the rumors are out there combined with the statements, combined with not hearing anything, you know, in Ursay, and it's a good job by Holder getting that, hey, was this actually you? Was this a daughter? Was this, you know, someone who yeah, has access mm-hmm. uh, to this, knowing that it's Ursay tweeting that out and you know how, how much of a small statement it really is, it shows you, you know, Ursay was in bad enough to where he he wasn't around Twitter. I mean, you mentioned being seen. He was, January yeah, 8th he was, was his last exactly, tweet before he, yesterday. He was just, he was in bad enough spot to where, you know, it had taken him basically a month to be able even to put something out on Twitter. You know, if it's if it's someone else, then it's misleading. Then it's not him. Then obviously it's much different. But that's kind of the connecting of the dots that I made was, hey, he hasn't been good enough to even be able to put a sentence out on Twitter. And now maybe he is, again, the first kind of ray of sunshine that we've seen in this story in many weeks it really is tomorrow we'll focus a little bit more super bowl 
related discussion. We haven't got into the game itself. I am looking forward to um, you guys hearing our conversation with George Odom coming up in about 10 minutes. I think Colts fans will remember that name, Odom. He had one of the great games, really. Well, really one of the best wins, I think, in the Frank Reich era. It was a Sunday night victory at Arrowhead, ironically enough, for George Odom against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, Low-scoring game, Jacoby Brissett and the Colts beat the Chiefs, so uh, we had uh, this conversation with Odom a couple days ago, but wanted to share it with you, so we'll do that coming up at 9. Again, Odom, a safety for this uh, for the 49ers, playing in the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday night. So we'll do that in about 10 minutes here. Uh, it is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, you miss any of our conversations, you can find them on the Podcast Center, 1075thefan.com. You can also stream us, find out uh, all the articles and everything else. I put one up yesterday. We had, uh, oh goodness, who do we ha- who do we have on? Rick Harlow yesterday. I wasn't here. I don't no, know. No, we had, uh, Rick, Har- Kravitz we too, had uh, Rick Harlow on yesterday talking about Matt Painter. So that is up. KB's got all your Colts coverage, 1075thefan.com. George Odom, former Colts safety, current uh, safety and special teamer. Crazy man. Extraordinary. Crazy. Man uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. He'll join us here in about seven minutes. About the Colts not re signing him, correct? Uh, yes, if I remember whatever day we recorded that last week, I, I think you're right. He was uh, rather candid. I wanted to throw one thing your way here before we get to the top of the hour. We get Odom. Uh, this came out yesterday, KB. And Mark, I think this is uh, right up your alley. You know, all the streaming services that are out there, uh, all the different ways to consume things. Like I pay monthly for Bally's. Bally's, though, is part of what? It's, it's part of the different uh, TV packages in the areas. Well, I'm using them as an example. Uh, The news came out yesterday that ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers are going to launch a sports streaming platform. Uh, And so this is going to have, obviously, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, WNBA, NASCAR, and much more uh, tournament stuff, World Cup when that comes up as well. Uh, And so you're going to get offered 15 linear networks. I'm reading from ESPN.com. It's going to be ESPN, ESPN Plus, ESPN2, ESPNU, SEC and ACC networks, ESPN News, ABC, Fox, uh, FS1, FS2, Big Ten Network, TNT, TBS, and True TV. Uh, one of the glaring ones, obviously, that's on there, CBS would not be on there to just throwing that out there and then how you consume something like Bally's or even the Big Ten Network Plus. But, of course, all the jokes immediately were like, hey, that's basically what cable packages used to be. Uh, if you're a sports only, I think you could probably get away with this. You're going to be able to, to, uh, to do the Disney Plus Hulu and Max as well, HBO Max, if you want to do that. That's all that matters to me. Uh, Well, I guess, you know, I I don't know. I I don't know how much. I don't know what the price point, like, is going to be on this. Would this be enough for me to get rid of YouTube TV? I wouldn't be able to watch some things, maybe, perhaps, that I normally watch. watch, She'd be screwed. (laughs) Basically, that'd probably be it. But we'd still have Max and and everything else, Hulu and everything. I, I don't know what to think of this. I'm not surprised they're doing it. It's just a another money grab to get away from cable and to try a streaming service. Just confuses the hell out of me, to be totally yeah. honest with yeah. you. I mean, you just laid out the channels. I heard some... I mean, no CBS? Well, that's the one. Yeah, CBS wow. will be the okay. one. TV, though, for the one, three weeks you needed for the uh, March Madness Okay, tournament. so CBS, so that eliminates, what, March Madness um, is 70-80% of Colts games. Uh, as someone that loves to watch golf, that is a high volume of golf. Uh Hell, Purdue, Wisconsin. What were they on on Sunday? CBS. CBS. Like, yeah. Uh, so, uh, 
Just make <laughs> somebody make it simple for me. Simple you sound and, like JMV. And not a 529 that I'm giving up now, here. No, you're gonna you're gonna have to get three to, or four different it. services. It's just the way it is. Or you're gonna have to, you know, be on a direct right now, TV or spectrum cable, and pay a I lot am of money. Universe and Bally. Okay. Yeah. That's the main focus there for us. But you know, again, there are some times where I'm like, I, I, I mean, I guess I've got Peacock as well. Uh, I mean, that obviously has become pretty prominent from a local sports standpoint here. So I feel like you see these announcements and I'm just left asking more questions. Like hearing that was a reminder, Andy, of like, I need to ask, we need to ask Scott Agnes tomorrow about, wait a minute, didn't a month ago we have the Bally could be on Amazon Prime. What like, happened what was, with that? You know, so sure. now I'm like, gosh, I feel like that's a question. I need, I need to be educated. Just buy them all Simply. like the Sweeney's do. We just have them all. So no matter what game is on, I have the streaming service. I mean, if that's you what I have do. them Text all. Andy for some yeah. passwords. I mean, if no you have kidding. cable plus all the streaming, and obviously I'm saying all the streaming in jest, that's a $500 investment. Well, uh, it, it can get pricey, yeah. Am I wrong? Mine's I not, mean, seriously. Mine's not that bad, but it can get pricey. Oh, yeah, you can spend 300 a month easy. With yeah, internet, easy. you can spend 300 I mean, a month. No oh, doubt. With, with, no with, doubt. With internet, I would no say doubt. if you want to watch all the sports, that cable package is north of 200, and then you put the streaming on top of it and the internet, you're getting into the 400 range. I, I know we got to take a break. I'm just interested if they try to undersell a YouTube TV. YouTube TV's around $75 with the different yeah. yeah, with the different tiers. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they say, "Hey, this is 50" and they try to get people from YouTube TV. That would be my question. He's playing in the Super Bowl Sunday night. He was a member of the Colts. He's the ever candid, ever entertaining George Odom. He joins us now. All right, Joe, uh, George Odom, uh, we talked to him. What time? What day did we talk to him last week? I don't know what it was. Uh, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, like whatever it was. Uh, he's a former safety here in Indianapolis. Did not get re-signed. We talk about that. Uh, and then is now with the San Francisco 49ers. A fun conversation. George Odom will be playing in Super Bowl 58 coming up on Sunday. We continue Super Bowl week here on The Fan, and we're doing so with uh, a guy that you may remember here in Indianapolis, a former Colt, now a current San Francisco 49er. He's a safety. He was uh, dealing with some injuries this year, but he's back and he's ready to go. His name's George o- uh, George Odom, and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. George, what's up, man? Good morning. How are you? What's up, Andy? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great out here in California right now. We're getting ready for practice here soon. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Man, Super Bowl week. It's Super Bowl, baby. Uh, and you've been dealing- Imagine being able to say that. It's Super Bowl <laughs> week. You're doing better than we are. Is, uh, has it finally hit you that, hey, I'm going to be playing in the Super Bowl on Sunday? Yeah, yes and no at the same time. I'm going to prefer myself this week. Like, I'm playing this Sunday, and then next Sunday, it's just all preparation, final, final details. But, hey, it, it's just like a miracle coming to happen. You know, you never know when your chance comes. Got to take the most of it. Georgia, I'm curious, just growing up, when you've played the game of football, how many times have you thought about what, you know, Sunday evening when you guys kick off and running out of that tunnel and and just that whole experience? Like, has this been a part of your dreams? Yeah, I love it every day. I enjoy my job. That's what I'm thinking about. I, I really enjoy my job. Like, as a kid, I never really – out about playing football, I just enjoyed the moment while I was doing it, and that's what I'm doing still. You know, you've carved out a hell of a career. Uh, you know, six years undrafted guy, and you've been a core, core special teamer. You had some, I would say, really important defensive moments here in Indianapolis. I want to get to what is it about how you are wired as a player that has made you such a, a you know an All Pro type of special teamer? Uh, they call me All Pro Geo now. Uh, 
<laughs> it's just having that mindset every time going out on that field, like, don't let them lull you to sleep, especially on special teams. Like, they might might take it out, might not take it out. I can't take that chance, though. My mindset, like, I'm taking every rep like it's my last rep, and that's how I treat the game. I enjoy it that way. Do you have to be a little crazy to play special teams and play it at the <laughs> level that you've played at? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, most people don't want to go against me. they got to have two people on me. If not, I'm trying to wreck somebody. <laughs> All right. He's a safety George Odom with us here on the fan. Uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, cannot wait to see him in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Who gave you the nickname All-Pro G.O.? I think it was uh, Bubba Ventron or Zaire Franklin. When my first year, uh, I had got All-Pro and special teams in, at the Colts. And then they started calling me All-Pro G.O. And then I just went from there. And when I got here to San Francisco, I was like, man, I got to get All-Pro again or my name can't live up to it. Live up to it. So I ended up getting All-Pro again when I first got here. So I was like, I stuck with it. Do you still talk to Zaire? Dude uh, racked up a ton of tackles this year for Indy. That boy tackling machine out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I still talk to him. My guy. He's got a podcast now and everything. I don't really watch too many podcasts or be on my phone too often, but hey, I, I talk to him there once in a while. He's a former Indianapolis Colt, current San Francisco 49er, uh, safety George Odom, joining us here on the fan on the Pay Less Liquors hotline. Uh, do you guys consume, how do you consume the battle on the internet and on sports radio and on television and everything else around your quarterback, Brock Purdy? Oh, man, I don't. I kind of see only myself. I don't really see Brock as, like, going on social media, looking at stuff and viewing things, see what people say. He's not that type of guy. He's just, like, chilling, relaxing. He probably watching film or something. Probably, I don't know what he'd be doing, but I don't think he'd be on the Internet like that. And I don't be seeing too much stuff like the uh, pretty good or something like that. Like, I just see all the inspirational stuff for him. He is. Man, I don't really see my negatives. He is George Odom, again, a, a Colts safety for a couple of years. Started 10 games here in Indianapolis, and now will be playing coming up in Super Bowl 58 for the San Francisco 49ers. George, you're, I would say my most memorable moment for you here in Indianapolis stands out as one game in prime time, but I'm curious if you feel the same way about that. What would you consider your most memorable game here in Indy? My most memorable game in Indy is probably when I got when I thought I had two picks against Josh Allen. I know I had one for sure. I thought I had the second one. That was like one of the good best moments of my career. Uh, just basically starting like on defense, the whole thing of just starting and having people believe in me was basically my highlight of my career so far. Thus far, I feel like I, I'm I feel like I'm a defensive player, but I just play my role on special teams for now. That's funny you go there. I actually was going to go to a game of a guy you're going to see coming up in the Super Bowl. It was Sunday night football. It was in Kansas City. I believe your second career start. Uh, leading tackler in the game, forced fumble in that game. Honestly, one of the better wins the Colts have had uh, in, in the last you know half dozen years or so. What do you remember about beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on that Sunday night game in 2019? We were playing man coverage. They guys got to beat our guys. I remember that. I remember that game. They had to beat us man to man. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, he was just scrambling a lot. And I remember the, uh, the 
when I got that forced fumble on the running back, I forgot who that was. Uh, got a name, anyways. But he was like a star running back. They had to throw a screen, a, a swing screen to our left. I just came back and kind of ran past screen. I uh, hammered it down. The ball came out. We got the ball, and it just momentum shifted from there. And it just everything felt great after that. Now, you let things off. Again, George Odom is with us, two-time All-Pro, again, here in Indianapolis for a couple of years, six-year career, and he will be in the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. You let off with us asking about the Indy weather. I, I felt <laughs> like that was kind of a shot at us. Um, is there anything you do, and I ask this in all seriousness, is there anything you do miss about your time here in Indianapolis? Maybe a favorite restaurant, maybe a place to go, anything you do miss from Indy? Oh, wait. I remember... Uh... I remember a lot of stuff from Indianapolis, like just the culture, the vibe, the people, the play, like the players and stuff like that. I miss a lot of that stuff. Um, the one thing I can say I miss the most about Indy, I can't really say that too much. I miss Indy that much, but I just miss like it being closer to home for my, for some people I live by, stuff like that. A lot of more friends out there instead of Cali. I'm a dad away from everybody I really know. Did you think you get re-signed here? Uh, they offered me initially my third year, and then I end up they end up uh I end up declining it, so they restricted me, and then they got me back, and they they did not offer me not one bit after the season, so I no, I didn't think I was going to sign back. His <laughs> name, my, his name's George Odom, All Pro Go. Uh, that's what we call him. Former Indianapolis Colt, current San Francisco 49er, he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. When you say home, are you from Millington, Tennessee? Is that where you're from? I was like Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, okay. Well, I, I have okay. So I, I have family. High School. Okay. Well, I have family. Uh, I had family in Brownsville, Tennessee, and Covington, Tennessee, the Burleson area. I know that area pretty well. Uh, yeah, uh, my mama lives in Covington right now. Okay. I got her house in a bad December. Okay, well, so. good, well, good deal. So we probably been by each other uh, and didn't you even drop know it. the All Pro like Geo next time. Uh, yeah. Next yeah. time you're home, hey, Andy. like I know All Pro, yeah, all pro Geo. Go to Memphis in May. Music festival. That's one of the best times to go to Memphis. All right, so I used to live in Louisville, Kentucky, and so when I went away to college, I went to Memphis in May and didn't go to the Kentucky Derby. And you know, uh, three, uh, Taylor? three six. I don't three six Mafia played. Ooh. George, that's oh, you. Yeah, that was the first year they played. That's back in the day, then. Yeah, that was back in the day, and it was actually a little too lawless. The next year, they had much more security. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually trained in Louisville for for the past few years. Uh, one of my one of the best trainers in the world. I feel like Corey Taylor, sports performance, is out in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, oh yeah, that's where I first got. I got came out of uh, college. I gained fifteen pounds in eight weeks. Wow, from Corey, so. Yeah, hey, well, Louisville got Louisville got the tricks and trades out there. I like Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> George Oda with us, former Colt, San Francisco 49er, getting ready uh, for the Super Bowl here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. All right, so I got to ask you this. So um, a couple years ago, you guys, now you weren't a part of the team then, but the Niners played in Dallas, and they beat the Cowboys in a playoff game in Dallas, okay? Uh, and I remember the reason I was like, I should have bet the Niners because they came out with the you guys even though you weren't on the team came out with the boom box okay so especially on these on these road games and I'm sure it's going to happen here Sunday for the Super Bowl it's the boom box and what Trent's up front with Debo if I'm not mistaken so in the boom box line where are you and why are those two guys always at the front of the line 
So I'm normally right there with them. Okay. <laughs> they know the lyrics. They know the lyrics of the song, so it's kind of like Debo kind of play the music, kind of pick the music every once in a while. Trent know the music, like everybody vibe at the same time. Some players like like to be in the back. Some players, we let everybody do their own thing. Kind of with the boombox, it's just like I don't know. I, I call it something, but I can't call it on the radio that. But I call it spiritual. <laughs> like it's a spiritual awakening. It's a spiritual awakening. Like it wakes something up in you, and you need, you need that to stimulate your mind. And I get you going. Do we know the song for Super Bowl Sunday? Do you feel comfortable mm, saying that's that? Be secret, or, or do you want to keep that secret until pregame? I don't know that song. Okay. It might be anything. <laughs> it might be Steve Keys, little baby. I don't know who it's gonna be. It's gonna be somebody gonna get our mind right now. I'll be We're honest. Not playing the friends. Who playing this game? The enemy. Who's going to war? I'll be honest, every time those doors open to that locker room and I see you guys come out with that boombox, I think, how do the 49ers ever lose? That's what like, I, I mean, think, they should, yeah. <laughs> No kidding. I mean, literally, I'm like, that is the last team I would want to be seeing. <laughs> we are going to see them <laughs> Sunday night. It is 49ers. It is Chiefs. George Odom, all pro G.O. with us. George, can't thank you enough for the time, man. I know it's a hectic Appreciate uh, it, couple weeks as you're getting ready here. And more than anything, go down there, crack somebody on special teams, and uh, make a game-changing play like you always do. Thank y'all for having me very much. Uh, y'all have a great day. That's fantastic stuff. George All Odom joining pro us. G-O. That's got a good <laughs> ring to it. Do you think George Odom's confident? I think he's confident. I'm not kidding, man. That uh, I remember that Dallas game. It's the first time I paid attention to the boombox and like the entire team is rapping whatever song. It might have been a little baby. And I'm like, man, if I would have known this before the game, poor Dak Prescott and Jerry Jones had absolutely no chance uh, on that particular Sunday. So that'll uh, now if you're watching the Super Bowl and you heard that interview and they show that pregame, now you know what we're talking about. Obviously, George pretty vocal about his time here in Indy. That was kind of a crazy safety time for the Colts. Kari Willis had a surprise retirement kind of right around uh, that exact time. And, and I think about safety in regards to Julian Blackman coming up here and I guess a little over a month, Andy. A month and a week we are today, right? Yeah, it is uh, Wednesday, March 13th is the start of free agency. You know, I've kind of labeled four guys you stand on a table for in free agency. Michael Pittman Jr., Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, Julian Blackman. Blackman's the one that if I'm on the table and you're playing devil's advocate, sitting in the chair, you're saying, but wait a minute, that's a position we found the one-year stop gaps. We found a Rodney McLeod. I mean, hell, even when Odom went in there in games, it was kind of like, you know what? You can get by with him. Now, I know there's a fine line. We can pop in the film of the season finale. And Julian Blackman's agent will probably get the last laugh in, in watching what Nick Cross and Rodney Thomas and, and company brought in that game. But still, that is a position that you can probably band-aid. Or at least you I, I should say you have found a su- successful band-aid before. Does that mean financially that's the route you got to go because you just don't have enough to re-sign everybody? and go try and make another move. Well, I think the Nick Cross uh, situation is key too, right? Like you, you talk about you want to be able to hand it off to somebody sure. else. whether yeah, in, in your own building. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you would like to. Like we even talk about, well, Buddy Heald's gone. Okay, well, Ben Shepard, can, is that something that's even feasible? Uh, that, you know, if, 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 if Buddy's gone, then Matherin goes into the starting lineup and you're kind of handing those duties and responsibilities to somebody else. The Colts are in a similar situation. It's why some of their guys – 
probably are seen as more valuable than others, right? Like if Michael Pittman Jr. is not on the team, there's no one there. Again, Josh Downs, a different player, a good player, but you're not handing over, hey, your number wide receiver spot to him. You would have to go find that somewhere else. Uh, Grover Stewart would fit that. I did see... Uh, perhaps Dallas, you know, the Cowboys might be interested in someone like Grover Stewart. That's the other thing is I'm going to be interested in what teams are linked to some of these free agents that the Colts do have. We've talked so much about re-signing them. It makes all the sense of the world. Um, you know, if there's a team that has more cap space than you, that may have another, you know, a bigger need than you, it's one of those situations we don't know the team for these particular guys. But you're exactly right. I mean, going back to what you were saying, how much is handing off to someone like Nick Cross going to be feasible come next season? That's a big storyline for the team. It's a big storyline in a month and a half. Yeah, and honestly, there's not even the Nick Cross equivalent behind Grover Stewart or Kenny Moore, and that's what makes their leverage so strong in free agency. Can we get into some Super Bowl props tomorrow? Oh, we'll do it. I mean, what, th- Thursday and Friday, I know a lot of, well, of Indiana, Purdue stuff, uh, especially on to... Friday. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be Super Bowl. You better, get, come and on, let's go. Could have a Hall of Fame news <laughs> we on could. Friday as well. We Again, could. NFL Honor Show tomorrow, Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney. I, I, I don't know. Part of me says one of the two gets in. So we'll uh, potentially have that news item. Gatorade color. I need Gatorade color. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I'm sure it's I know out there. Maybe our audience. Uh, I I kind of like when you combine the sports and the political ones. Are we allowed to discuss those? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. WIBC is right across the way. You yeah. So right over there. Biden approval rating or Christian oh, McCaffrey receiving yards. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, Biden's pretty low. I'll go with the, with, the, with the McCaffrey. Donald Trump's <laughs> age or Travis Kelsey receiving yards. Boy. Now I think that's a good so one. So that's in the seventies, right? I thought, Seventy-seven, I believe. Seventy-seven or for man. the former president. I might take the under on Kittle, man. Someone say this. Kelsey. Cur- oh, Kel- say oh Kelsey. President. I'll take the over on Kelsey, please. Over 77? Yeah, I'll take the over, yeah. You know, if you look at Kelsey games, you know, what stood out to me about that AFC title game, again, was just 11 for 11 for 100-something. Like, it was, we almost didn't give it the proper credit it deserved. I mean, that was just an unbelievable performance by him, and he hadn't done that to that level a ton here late in the year. You know, yeah, you suffered the, you know, kind of the freak injury there in December. Um, He's had a couple of uncharacteristic drops on that end. Um, there is an MVP bet that I like. Ooh, okay. It's not the obvious one. I started seeing like the okay. uh, the cross sport bets where you have the Super Bowl and the waste management open. Right. I, That's figured, a popular I figured one. Kevin Bowen would be dipping his toes in those. <laughs> the well, I ma- just you know was trying to you know be all all encompassing here. Maybe the political sports overlap is probably not the route that we want to go. But the line continues to hover right around that slight favorite for San Francisco, right? Is the waste management? That's the Tony Soprano one. The waste management open. The Tony Soprano that's one. That's the one where the crowd he, goes yeah. nuts. He, on the he, he, was, a, he, he was in waste management. My joke, my political joke, was going to be because Mark, you've been to Florida several times. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was going to be Mark Dykton's been in Florida more than DeSantis has lately. That was going to be my one line. I wear the no same boy. boots like as he that? does too. <laughs> Maybe we should stop there. Uh, Mark, Look did I props. see Seven Hester? Hall of Famer? He should be. He should have been a first ballot, oh, that's, in my opinion. That's that was kind of leaked yesterday, right? I don't oh, know. Was I, was, I, I was in the that. sky. I, I didn't that was, see that. Who you know, leaked this yesterday? It Mike Chappell knows, and he's been sworn to secrecy, and Chap and I have traded a few texts. I said, Chap, if for some reason something happens Thursday night, could you yeah. join us Friday? Okay, and, yeah. But we'll see. we got maybe a little, sure, sure. A little call out to Reggie Wayne. Okay. If 
Uh, he gets the call from Canton there. Again, the uh, Reggie Dwight Freeney. I'm trying to think the first balloters. Antonio Gates, right? Doesn't that seem like an obvious first yeah, balloter? Yeah, I, I need to look it up. Antonio Gates has to be one. Wasn't he kind of one of the first ones, one of the first two that was like, go get a basketball power forward and he can go play NFL tight end, right? Wasn't he one of the first ones? Played IU in the Elite Eight. IU Kent State. There you go. On the trip there to the Final Four. For the Hoosiers. So again, that will be announced tomorrow night, NFL Honors. Uh, so we'll continue to uh, keep you updated. It's kind of a busy end of the week here. You know, Certainly tomorrow, we're not recapping a ton of game stuff like we did today, but a lot of NBA trade deadline chatter, of course. Uh, and then once you get into Friday, we will preview Indiana-Purdue. Do we have both guests booked, Mark? I don't want to share if we Ooh. don't. I know we've got we definitely have the IU guest booked, right? We have the IU guest booked. The Purdue guest is in flux at the moment. We, okay. we may or may not. Okay, so we will try to confirm on the Purdue front. But if you remember back the first meeting, I really enjoyed that uh, show the day of the game when we had Bruce Weber and Tom Crean. I thought both were outstanding uh, in uh, joining us. We're going to have Tom Coverdale, uh, certainly a local legend here, uh, the pride of Noblesville, a man that I watched at the mill a whole lot growing up. And you talk about beating Antonio Gates in the Elite Eight. Part of that, of course, uh, he's going to join us 7.30, Mark. Is that what it's penciled in for on Friday? 7.40, for I believe, yes. 7.40? What's, what's the tone of that show on Friday? Besides, I mean, the Super Bowl stuff, we'll, you know, we'll give our picks and there'll be prop bets and they'll, something will happen. Someone will complain about someone. Someone will do something stupid on Radio Row. But, like, what's the... What's the what's the tone of IU Purdue? Oh, I think it always matters. No, it mm-hmm. always matters. But I mean, like Indiana fans see this as yes, we want to play this game. We can't wait for Saturday, or let's just get through it. It may get ugly. Have it not be too ugly. Have it you know not be fifty one twenty nine at halftime. Well, that might be rational, but if you are the crazed IU fan, you look at it and say, let's shock the world. And Mike Woodson's oh, no. beat Matt Painter you four think out they, of six you times. You think that you think Pigs.com feels that way? I don't think it does. You lived Kentucky Louisville rivalry. <laughs> you know how fans can uh, be crazy. Ag- agreed, but lately it has been. Let's just get the hell through this game because Kenny Payne's been so bad. And even latter years of Patino, you know, he was losing to Cal even when Rick had better teams maybe than Kentucky. It was let's just get through it. And that game's always around Christmas and New Year's, so it's ruining a big holiday. I'm wondering if Indiana fans are like, let's just get through this, or they see it as uh, a funny opportunity to go on the road and beat what I think is the best team in the country. Purdue is Jaws, and IU is the waiting feet of beachgoers. That's how I look at it. (laughs) Purdue, if I'm a fan of one of these two teams in this game, if I'm the Purdue fan, I'm feeling the the, – I I use seasons largely over. We stink, of course. (laughs) You guys should beat us by 15. You know, I, Purdue's like, oh wait, you guys swept us last I, year. Like, see, I uh, see Purdue I really as want to do dialed in. We're gonna go win by twenty plus again. Well, That's sure, just, you know, but there's the seed of doubt of like, God, if we lose, even if we get on a run, those IU fans are still gonna be like, we've beaten you and Mackey twice. That's a it's a, a great row. point. What in three out of four, whatever it is. Plus, I mean, Indiana right now is one hundred in the net. So I would have to look that up. But that's a quad. What four? I mean, at home, that's a quad like four loss. For Purdue, not that it, not that it totally matters, but if you care about being, you know, if you care about a winning the Big Ten, I need to look up who Wisconsin has here next. If you're talking about a winning the Big Ten, I think that's really the thing is winning the Big Ten, right? And if you want to be the overall number one seed, you can't lose a quad three or four game because UConn's probably not going to. Coming up in a few, we will give away twenty five dollar gift card to Cluster Truck, and we'll continue to do that all week long on the Pop Quiz. Want to make sure that we put in. 
uh, if you're making any sort of order on Cluster Truck, uh, hashtag the fan. That is T H E F A N, obviously. Uh, you do that, you get 25% off your order there. So, again, hashtag the fan. Anything cluster truck related sounds like the perfect little lunch item here. I was told by Brant it is a sunny Wednesday out there. So, that is good news on oh, that nice. front. Again, cluster truck from Fountain nice. Square all, all the way up through Carmel. Uh, they do free delivery and uh, they also, uh, you can pick up if you're in the location as well. All right, before all that, should we morning check down it? All right, 132, 129. That's no your final hashtag, last by night. The, way. the fan. Thank Just you, the Evan, fan. for that. Just the, the fan. The fan for the promo code on Cluster Truck there. Did you check on your burrito, by the way, Mark? No hashtag. It's still there. Okay. I'm going to devour it when I get home. Okay. I was about to say, don't. I mean, it's not going to make it a second day. Quite frankly, I'm ashamed around here at the fan. It made it one day. But, uh, but regardless, 132, 129. That's your final Pacers. Over the Rockets, 29-23 and 23 on the season are the Pacers. Postgame, Rick Carlisle on Tyrese Halliburton getting back in rhythm. He's not there yet. You know, he's just not there yet. Um, he's, getting, he's getting much closer. The minutes are a big part of this because he's a rhythm player. And, you know, he, he runs the show. And so being, being able to orchestrate and, and communicate and do, do the, all those things at both ends is really important. You know, right now, uh, you know, his minutes are, are have taken a haircut. You know, he's playing more now than he did, you know, the last couple games. You know, it, it, hopefully the next couple games we'll be out of the woods with this, but we'll have to see how it is tomorrow. I'd call last night a trim, not a haircut. Uh, 29 minutes for Halliburton. I think this storyline is now on the back burner. It's not gone, but I think with what he did last night, playing all four quarters, Finishing the game. He looked good. It was never like elliptical watch with right. him. He or looked what, good. Is he yeah. on the bench? Where's he at? And again, Rick said to us yesterday morning, the Charlotte game on Sunday, he could have gone back in had they needed him. You don't have a back-to-back. It's every other night between now and the All-Star break, so that's good news on that front. Certainly need to shout out TJ McConnell and Buddy Heald. Without them, the Pacers do not win last night. They were down 10. Awful first half defensively. Uh, they're down 10 there midway through the third quarter. And healed, shockingly, kind of helped you get back into it. Uh, and then TJ McConnell Moore's a score did that for you. A little uh, clunky kind of finish there. But again, Halliburton had the floater to ice it with under a minute to go. So Pacers win their final home game before the All-Star break. It'll be Carmel Pups night. Steph Curry in the house uh, <laughs> coming up tomorrow night. Again, a back-to-back. And I would assume a good amount of... IU center Grove flavor. Trace Jackson Davis said to JMV yesterday, he's got a lot of he have a lot of people coming. Good for him. Building his lone game. Of no, course, sure. Inside yeah, good good for him. I'll say la- last thing on that game. You know they played Halliburton about ha- they played him half the first half. Right? They split it up. He he came out and he sat essentially an entire quarter before he came back in. So for me, he had 29 minutes. He averages on the season when he was full strength about 33 or so. Uh, I think they probably did a haircut, a shave, if you will, with some of those first quarter minutes so they could get him out of the game. And then, you know, maybe, you know, he played, what, 17 minutes in the second half. You know, maybe there's a minute or two more that you 
would have him in on the second half. But basically, it was first half minutes is the reason he was at 29. And the reason is because it was a close game and they had to come back. Again, I'll continue to say this, but with Golden State in town, I know a lot of people pay attention to it. Steph Curry, they he has been part of seven back-to-backs this season. Tonight will be number eight. He has played in both ends of the back-to-back, six of seven. So good news on that end. And honestly, Golden State just needs wins, period. I mean, they have not had anywhere near. They are out of the playoffs right now, out of the play-in right now with where they are at. All right, last night in Columbus, if you were, what, flipping back and forth, I guess, between Bally and Peacock, it was a hell of a second half from the Indiana Hoosiers. The Indiana boys, John Mellencamp somewhere, can make a lyric off of that. 76-73, Indiana over Ohio State. Trey Galloway, outstanding in the second half. And Anthony Leal in the corner uh, hits the game, the eventual game winner there. His only shot of the contest. Galloway got downhill, uh, did not hesitate in handing it out or dishing it out, I should say, to Leal. And Leal rose and fired. And went with a guy in his face. Hits that three for the game winner. I said it to Tony Adrania. I, I know it maybe isn't like the most one, two, three, four, five like position lineup, but if you're a you earn your minutes. I mean, Anthony Leal's got to start on Saturday night, right? <laughs> I just, yeah, I guess. I, I can't believe that's, you're right. I just can't believe on February 7th that's the conversation. Well, sure. And that the we're Xavier having, Johnson but, no, you're injury Xavier and Gabe Cups. It's going to be a while. Blah. I don't know if Xavier Johnson plays again. For Indiana, I mean, maybe it looked like towards... Barry Bonds, JJ Watt, little brace on that. <laughs> I elbow did. I there. mean, maybe it's one of those things. Hey, uh, for the final game of this, you know, regular season, or maybe the final couple, and then you talk about, hey, you know, maybe we can make a run in the Big Ten tournament, whatever it may be. That would be. I mean, that would be the only thing. That'd be the only conversation to have at this point, right? That, last night in stores, Butler they hung in there for the better part of forty minutes. They lose seventy-one sixty-two. That's a cover for those people that do care. A pretty easy cover, honestly, for Butler. Fourteen and a half, I think, was the final line on that one. They had it down to five with two minutes to go. UConn did get an offensive rebound put back there. Uh, again, I, I was, I know Dan Hurley, oftentimes you get coaches after a game that play bubble teams. They're like, that's a, that's a tournament team. You know, I, I, I think Butler has proven in the last couple of weeks, they have the look of a tournament team. I think they've got the resume of a tournament team. Now they need to continue to make sure they're on that right path here in the month of February. They'll now return home to Hinkle Fieldhouse, Providence, Marquette, and Creighton. The next three there, some wonderful opportunities in your own building to continue to bolster that resume. Uh, but they fall last night, 71-62. Just a couple uh, quick notes here before we get to our pop quiz. Trey Young, Scotty Barnes added to the Eastern uh, Conference All-Star Trae rosters. Trey Young's had a great season, even though they have not sure. been winning a lot. And Scotty Barnes, obviously the rebuild there, the different things he can do. He's a good player. I remember him at Florida State. Uh, so Scotty Barnes will be there as well. Embiid, and of course, Julius Randle out with their injuries. And Shane Steichen and the Colts hiring Alex Tanny to be their new passing game coordinator. Uh, Tanny had been on several rosters, including 2015, being on the Colts practice squad. He had been in Philly since 2001. That's obviously the connection there with Shane Steichen. Don't think anything official on this, but as we get closer to NBA All-Star weekend, uh, some reports, the dunk contest quartet for next Saturday night. Jalen Brown, easily the headliner. He would be the first All-Star to compete in the dunk contest since the DeAndre Jordan in 2017. And then you round it out with quite the trio here. Imagine these three walking into a club together. Mac McClung, Jaime Jaquez, and Jacob Toppin. Yes, that is the younger brother of Obi Toppin. 
I'll be honest, I've never seen Jacob Toppin <laughs> dunk a basketball. I'm going to guess he can. Oh, oh, he can dunk a basketball. Yeah, that's something he's he's very good at. He's much like Obi. He's a, he's a high riser, and if you will. And he is a New York Nick, right? Uh, yeah, he's been a lot of G League. A lot of G League. I think he's been on the end of their bench a little bit, much like they we did saw the Jersey Shepard swap, earlier. Right? Didn't they do yeah, that the other night? I, I think so. They didn't get to play. They're like, do you think these two will play against each other? I'm like, this is going to be too good of a game to see Jacob Toppin and Obi Toppin squaring off in the fourth quarter. But he is a high riser. Hey, a guy like him, he can get some, you know, he can get some ex, he can get some expertise, get his name out there, get a little cash. Good for him. And again, the three point lineup absolutely loaded as it kind of has been here in recent years. Damian Lillard, Jalen Brunson. Tyrese Halliburton, Malik Beasley, Laurie Markin, and Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Maxey, I believe one more spot still open for that. All right, on the other side, we'll give away a cluster truck gift card on top of the Jiffy Lube oil change. If you go five for five for the oil change, no matter what, we'll be giving away uh, that uh, $25 gift card to cluster truck. 317-239-1070. Pop quiz. All right, pop quiz time. So this week, and I think even into next week, now you need to listen up, okay? So you, if, if we pick you, you're going to get a $25 gift card to Cluster Truck. Now, the Jiffy Lube oil change is how it's always been on the pop quiz, right, KB? Uh, you have to go five for five to right. get the oil change, unless right. it's a Friday, you got to go five to five. But stay on the line because this week, a $25 gift card to Cluster Truck. We appreciate uh, them bringing in some food again. Uh, ClusterTruck.com, you can download their app, and right now, type in the fan to get 25 percent off it's a great deal no middleman in the delivery process uh they all their food is cooked to order you order it that's when they cook it uh it's made by their chefs it's right there uh, in their kitchen i was listening to evan yesterday uh their the cluster truck guy on with um JMV, they don't even start making the food until the courier who's taking it is almost there. So your food's not sitting out for 45 minutes, an hour, whatever my it may be. My burrito was Dude, I'm not kidding. steaming I, I'm the same way. So, so is my sandwich and everything else. So they have everything. Pizza, burgers, sandwiches, healthy things, vegetarian options, and much more. Again, ClusterTruck.com. You ready to go on this? We had delivery again from Fountain Square all the way up through Carmel there. So make sure you check that out. As Andy said, the fan. Allwood Ward, there your promo code, and we'll give away a $25 gift card to caller number. What do we want to go with here? 18 point comeback, eight minus one, seven. Let's go with seven. What? <laughs> I used Mark 18 looked, minus one. Mark looks so confused at you. Caller number seven, Mark. Who okay. is that? Okay. Jake is still here in some form or fashion with math. David. David, good morning, man. Ooh. How are you? Pretty good, fellas. How are you? Uh, David doesn't care how we got there. No, he's he just glad care. that he's on the line there. <laughs> David, you ever cluster trucked it up before? I have not. Okay. Well, congrats on that. $25 gift card coming your way. David, what's your uh, favorite? If you could have one sports team win a title, Ooh. who would it be? Got to be the Colts. There you, you go. You want another one? <laughs> uh, I'll take Kansas City Chiefs. Whoa. <laughs> You've kind of gone both here on it. Are, are you a Chiefs fan more than a Colts fan? No, that's my second favorite team. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm a afraid to ask why. Team, yeah. Why, David? Why? I don't know. Just second favorite team. Because they're good? Yeah. 
I was hoping he was going to have fun with it and say, well, you know, uh, Steve Bono and Alex Smith. I was I always know. a fan of Maybe he's a uh, UMKC grad <laughs> here, but no, he just yeah. loves good teams yeah, here. So. Well, he's a big Andy Reid fan. All right. Fairweather David on the line here. Uh, hey, Andy, let's get a winner. Go ahead and lead off. With All him. right. Let's get the oil change. You already have the gift card from Cluster Truck. All right. Question number one. And by now, after a game, you should know this is coming. Okay. The Pacers beat the Rockets last night. Who was the leading scorer in the game? Was it Pascal Siakam, Dylan Brooks, Miles Turner, or Jalen Green? I'll take uh, Siakam. You sure, David? Um, no, the second one. This guy was a bucket getter last night. I thought if he got the ball a few more times, the Rockets were going to win this game. Uh, who are you going with? He skipped college. There's a hint. Hoping to make a lot of this on Sunday with my bets. <laughs> Give me the names again. Pascal Siakam, which is which is wrong. He was second. Dylan Brooks, Miles Turner, Jalen Green. Dylan Brooks. No. Number two here, David. The Pacers extended their winning streak. I couldn't believe this when Chris Denary said it. The Pacers extended their winning streak over the... By the way, I've got a little beef with Chris Denary and Jeremiah really? Johnson. I texted I like JJ that. last uh, night. You, okay, I know. Okay. Come I on almost, now. I almost texted you and say, do we need to play this? But I didn't know. You know, we have a very good relationship. Uh, I didn't know if we uh, needed to take a shot at somebody on the JJ's broadcast. JJ's taking a shot at me via the text. Uh, and oh him and I boy. went back and forth. Okay. I'm going to have a word with him. We okay. need to get him on air, Mark. The Pacers extended their win streak over the Rockets last Last night, how many games in a row has Indiana defeated Houston? Five, seven, nine, or eleven? Five. For people that don't know what we're talking about, what time was it? About it was about three, four minutes to go in the in the in the second quarter. Johnson had the report. I forget what it was. It was Halliburton's minutes or something like that. And he mentioned Rick Carlisle on his coach's show on Tuesday, and did not mention. The show or the fan. That I is what you're him to defend that, okay, us. I thought about going on social, well, but okay. I just said no, I'll save it for well, the airwaves. W- once you once you go social, that's nuclear. Once you put that on Twitter. Anyway, come question- on, JJ, the wake up call. It's three <laughs> words long. Question number three, the NHL has confirmed that next season And then Denary did it later in the telecast. Did he not hear that? Uh next season's My former coach. Next season's winter classic will have the Chicago Blackhawks hosting the St. Louis Blues at Wrigley Field. There you go, Mark. It will mark I've done that before. Uh, yes, well that's the question. It'll mark the second time the NHL has played uh its New Year's Day outdoor game at Wrigley Field, with the first time happening back in two thousand nine. Now Name the other stadium that has hosted the Winter Classic twice. Is it Fenway Park in Boston, Michigan Stadium uh, in Ann Arbor, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, or Heinz Field in Pittsburgh? Fenway. Mm-hmm. Needed one there to get there out of go. that rut. Number four here, David. Well, this will be the second time that the Winter Classic will be played at Wrigley. It is the third. Do they go in the same direction? Uh, like they did that one football game at Wrigley. Oh, the Northwestern and Iowa game or whatever that was. Oh my Didn't god, that was absurd. Didn't they have to play half court or something stupid? Yeah. Say it again, David. Didn't they have to play half court? Or yeah, something? yeah. <laughs> Take it behind midfield and then start running the other direction. I here. mean, the Bears played there for sixty years. How couldn't they just do the same setup? I don't know what was so confusing. Which for Northwestern Iowa, you probably could just go in one direction. You not have to worry about uh, the other team scoring. Uh, all right, third time the Blackhawks have hosted the event. At what other venue, other than Wrigley, did the Blackhawks serve as the Winter Classic home team? Comiskey Park, Soldier Field, Notre Dame Stadium, or Ryan Field? Soldier Field. Come on, David. 
Boy, that's a difficult one. It's a difficult you one. Got, this is obvious. You got me, guys. The easiest one. Marcus Freeman's <laughs> going to be revving it up tomorrow night. Rick Carlisle said it. Marcus Freeman. He did say it. All right, question number five of this Maddie day. Maddie said to me last night, she goes, now who is Marcus Freeman again? Oh, oh no. Gosh, did you set, let her sleep oh. on the couch that night? Yeah, that's a listen. That's that's a shot to the ego. No, right? It's 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 too it's too close to Valentine's Day for I you know, to make a statement. I, know. I just but bit my lower is, lip and moved on. That's embarrassing. <laughs> he went to the garage who, and punched something. Who is Marcus Freeman? That's like a top three on, on men that matter in your life, right? At he's, least at least top five. Mister Bowen, yeah, <laughs> Micah Shrewsbury, Marcus Freeman. Yeah, I'd throw out my father in law, maybe my brother. Uh, he's a good looking dude. I thought Maddie would. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I, I get, you know, that's a good point. She doesn't watch these Notre Dame games with you. You are a crazy man, I assume, during these games. That's and so she accurate. does anything yeah. else. Uh-huh. Uh, on this day in 2010, the Colts lost to the Saints in Super Bowl 44. Who was the leader in receiving yards in Super Bowl 44? Uh, Marcus Colston, Dallas Clark, Devery Henderson, Pierre Garçon. Pierre Garçon. Well, that was a rough effort a rough from out. David. No oh, way yeah. to describe it other than that. <laughs> you Fen- didn't get the oil change. Fenway, and he got the cluster truck gift card. He got the cluster truck gift yes, card, not the oil change. Uh, Fenway Park, right? That's the only one he got right? That's it. Yeah. Yes! The leading score last night was Jalen Green with 30. He went with Siakam. Siakam only had 29 last and night. Nine straight for the Pacers over the Rockets. I'm surprised I, by that. That's that's I, stunning. Yeah, I, I would agree. I thought the Notre Dame Stadium one, I thought that was kind of like a memorable game of the Winter Classic. I mean, obviously, I'm heavily biased with that answer there. <laughs> Why was it memorable? I'm asking. I'm curious because it's not memorable to me, well, I guess. Well, it's Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, I mean, that's uh, different than just playing at Ryan Field. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you got the big Northwestern uh, home stadium here. I think a few more iconic moments have happened uh, in Notre Dame uh, Stadium. I agree, but a lot, of these stadi- a lot of these stadiums have big ego that they all think that they're a great hallowed ground of football or basketball or basketball or baseball or something else. I think a tad more history in Notre Dame <laughs> Stadium than old Ryan Field. Uh, lastly, I don't know if I would have gotten this one right, honestly. The leading receiver in Super Bowl 44, I guess if you go off the number of the Super Bowl, the jersey number for this man, Dallas Clark. Yeah, I probably uh, I probably go Colston there, to be quite honest. He was so dominant. The but pride of Hofstra. Yeah, right? there you go. Dallas Clark, 86 yards in Super Bowl 44. So Good do you him. just think J.J. and Denary just no respect for us? J.J. Well, tried to pull out the, I only have a short amount of minutes. They yeah, don't let me talk during the man, run of play. We, we should have cut this sound because J.J., he said, on his, on, his, on his coach's show on Tuesday, and I think he said it with a smile, and then I don't know if he got up in the air and he couldn't remember the name of the show or couldn't remember my name like he knows your name and couldn't remember my name. Or I don't know if he just got mixed up. He could have said the fan. I, I don't know. That would be just for him to say. Rick Carlisle coaches show. Radio show. I, I forget the exact <laughs> phrase he used. So yeah, him and I are trading texts. He's like, well, you guys don't even have me on. I'm going to go. First off, JJ, <laughs> we have had you on. Secondly, I choose to look at you and say, I respect a man that's working very late on weeknights. You don't want yeah. to come on this show. At, at 8.02. Yeah, no. you don't want to come on at 8 o'clock. I'm not going to bother you. No, go on at 1 o'clock with Jake. Yeah, you, go on you, with Jake at 5 o'clock. trips in the wee hours of the morning. Exactly. We need to find that audio. <laughs> Both man, of them. Both I, of them did I, I should have texted uh-huh. you guys. It's it's right around the four-minute mark. It was like 3.49 on the clock because I remember making a mental note of the second quarter. That's when J.J. said it. I can't. No, I did not uh, hear Denary the Denary. doubled back in the second okay. half as oh, well. Boy. No respect oh, for boy. the wake-up call here with KB and Andy. 
We'll be back one final time. 93.5107.5. The fan. All right, been a fun show on uh, a Winnie Wednesday. On this Wednesday, you miss any of our fine program, 1075thefan.com. Tony Adrania, George Odom both joining us today. Reminder, Greeny after us, Query and Company at noon, JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. All right, KB, Mark, you help as well. Uh-huh. I have not seen this list. I want to react organically, but uh, our buddy Scott Agnes and others, I'm sure, starting to put out the celebrity game roster for All-Star Weekend. So this is where we criticize the tier of uh, each celebrity. Dear <laughs> Lord, this is an unbelievable <laughs> list. This is when you start feeling pretty old. Oh, like, boy. Who are these people? All right, kick a couple my way. Okay, well, uh, and like, mo- How many of these are just like pure influencers? First off, what are we doing with Shan- Team Shannon and Team Stephen A. Smith? Is that it's serious? It's a first take What are you battle. talking about? I love that. I, That's first take. They I, yell I, back and forth. They're good friends. What, 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 what have they me? done? Because they yell loud, that means that they mean, can they're a very popular they, they, they show. It's an ESPN broadcast. Yeah, it's an ESPN thing. They're very popular. How about Peyton Manning? Cross-promotion. Well, they just did the Pro Bowl with Eli and Peyton. How about is- Reggie Miller? A little bit of a... I, I get that it's ESPN's own thing, but I mean, come on here. Let's get a little local angle. When I think of Indy, I really think of Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith, don't you? Oh, How many man. times have they ever talked about the Colts and Pacers on that show? <laughs> oh, goodness. Have you ever listened to Shannon's podcast? Ooh. He's oh, yeah. got some heaters on there. The okay. Cat Williams one alone. So it's Steven and Shannon. I'm going to pivot against KB. I'm good with that. Okay. I like that. This well, is lacking a lot of Indiana flavor on these two teams. Um, I, I, unless I'm missing some people, which I probably am, I believe the only Indiana flavor on either of these two rosters hails from Jewel Lloyd as the pride of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, Meta World Peace uh, would be one. Ron Artest, of course, here. And Indy car driver... Recently announced Indy 500 participant again, Noblesville Heritage Christian product, Connor Daly. Am I missing anyone else? No, I don't think so. I'm looking at the same list. I don't see a single Colts player on either of these two teams. Huh. Or like, uh, I was going to say. Micah Parsons is on one team. CJ Stroud's on one team. CJ Stroud is on the other. I'm looking at him now, yeah. Jennifer Hudson, musician and actress. Sure. I, I mean, are a lot of these people like influencers? Yeah, I just be. do not know. I don't know many of Kai them. Kai Sennett, I have no idea. Boy, Dylan Wang, old. I don't know who that is. Lily Singh, I feel like I've heard it, but I don't know who she is. Sir Walter Hayes. Sir with a capital <laughs> R, by Annual the way. Annual AA, I don't know what that means. Scotty, how old do they sound right now? And I'm with them. I don't know many of these names. Where's McAfee? Is he too busy? I know. Super Where Bowl? is McAfee? They, Ma- McAfee was the only one that was supposed to be there. Isn't McAfee shirtless? ESPN? I mean, why isn't it Pat McAfee versus Peyton Manning? Tristan Jass, <laughs> Jack Ryan, AJ McLean. Wait a minute, Manning's a coach. He's one of the coaches. I'm looking at it right here. He's the assistant coach with 50 cents. He's with 50 cents. Being uh, the assistant to Shannon Sharp. Stephen A. uh, Ajay Wilson. Lil Wayne Wayne. is also an assistant coach here. Jack Ryan is on the Stephen A. Smith team. That's not definitely more star power on the coaching staff. (laughs) Is this kind of how the celebrity game has been lately? I mean, I I can't say I watch it on an annual basis. Is this kind of what it is? Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah, we don't. Adam not, Blackstone not, sounds like a Marvel character. Yeah, not knowing, not knowing the names, you know. Like I, I figured I, I don't you know would have had a little bit more of a. If you're going to tell me, hey, there's going to be some indie flavor to it, I would have assumed Colts player before Connor Daly. If I'm going to be fully honest here. <laughs> 
What even Connor Daly's game like? I have no idea. But is he a shooter? He's got to be, right? Well, I mean, if he's, he's a precision born shooter here in the state of Indiana, he's got to be. Can he make for? Well, that's what we thought. Right. And then Indiana you know, Heritage Christian basketball. Sixty percent from the line. I know the girls' programs had a storied run, but I don't consider their boys' program yeah, this much is, of anything. This is one of those where the other shows. You know, JMV and Jake and, and Jimmy's going to have to help out on this one. And even you, Eddie, like you got like you have to put in a little bit of work to find out who these guys are, because if you don't know these men and women, you're going to sound like us. God, this is quite the group here from the Celebrity All-Star Game on that end. Uh, thank you to Tony Adranya. Thank you to George Odom. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll talk.